And welcome back. I'm Mike. I'm Cody. We are the Turntable Teachers. Class is back in session. And last but not least, our top 10 albums of 2019. Our final list week. Mm -hmm. The cream of the crop. Best of the best. Best albums that we heard in 2019, according to Cody and myself. He has 10 albums. I have 10 albums. Some of his albums that I already mentioned on my honor roll that I didn't get a chance to talk about could be or are in his top 10. And there are some that he mentioned that are in my top 10. So So if you listen to that last episode, you have like a couple that you already know are going to be here. Just not necessarily the placement of them and things like that. And of course, as always, I still don't know your placement. I don't know your top 10. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I mean. I have I'm familiar with a few albums now that I know they're probably in there. But again, we don't know any order and anything like that. We didn't talk about this beforehand. So just kind of off the cuff. And yeah, so like there's going to be some interesting overlap here. There's a one or two albums I know we're going to have in common in this uh, in this list. I'm just really curious where they're going to end up being. I think there's four. I'm, I'm seeing. I'm looking so at four one, that we definitely. I think there's going to be four that we have in the top ten that are definite. That's my opinion. I think there's going to be four. Two, three. Yeah. No, I got four. I got. I got you think four. Right four here. Two. Yep. Possibly four, five. Four with one one surprise one. I guess. Okay. Interesting. All right. So who who started that last episode? Out? I was did. It? I started out. Well, I started. You started honors. I started. And then high you started. So, I, so so I guess it would be me to start off. Go ahead. All right. Well, number bringing in number ten, 10. of twenty nineteen, my man, Aesop Rock, Malibu Ken, and the collab with Tobacco. Definitely not coming as a shock to anybody who knows me, has listened to this show before, and knows anything about my tastes in music. Even with how much I've said Tobacco's vocoder um, sample, or not samples, vocoder effects on this can be a barrier for entry. At a certain point after this album originally came out and we talked about it, the vocoder kind of clicked for me, and it didn't end up taking away anymore. I didn't notice myself really thinking about it. It was almost kind of just like the passing space between Aesop verses. And I I just it really showed me how much I love Aesop that basically almost anything that he is in, I'm gonna end up being a huge fan on and how consistently strong he is. Now I do wanna say I really, really wish that this the a song that he just released recently had come out. That Rogue Wave track yeah, is awesome. Because I like he that just a lot. released Rogue Wave, which um, when we're recording this, I think this came out a couple days ago. If you are a fan of Aesop or even if you just like any of the music we've talked about and trust our judgment, check that out. There's a really good cause for it. They're like selling vinyls because one of their close friends had passed away. So they're using the proceeds to go to that. But so that's all 2020 stuff, Rogue Wave. But for Malibu Ken There is a lot of really strong imagery, which is something that Aesop is known for. And on this track, this album, I feel like he is a lot more cut and dry and straightforward with his imagery instead of being so densely laid with metaphors like he normally is. And I think that kind of comes to fruition the most obviously on Tuesday, where it, like I mentioned, and it came up in my top songs of the year. It's just a gross, disgusting song about like the condition of his apartment, basically, and the way he tells these stories. It's a funny of, track. I, it, I like it, it a lot. It's hilarious, and like it, the even it starts off super. Uh, tame with oh my neighbor found a mushroom growing in inside my car but then as it gets farther and farther into the song his descriptions of his own appearance and the things happening
happening in his apartment just get more and more disgusting and like laid with really really vivid imagery um i i'm always a fan of the way that he manages to find interesting flow schemes he never seems to find himself on the same pattern for longer than a line at a time which can definitely make for an exhausting listening experience for some people who are uninitiated where you're kind of used to hearing a flow pattern and then it's repeated again and again and again to get you kind of into the rhythm of the song. Aesop definitely does not do that. So this is the main reason why I ended up being number 10. As much as I love Aesop's style, I definitely acknowledge that it's not, it's not for everybody. Um, so if you definitely are a fan of Aesop, I would check this out. Be warned that the vocoder from Tobacco might pose as a little bit of a barrier, and I know that was your biggest gripe with this album. Definitely. Um, and it definitely does take away from it, but the runtime is pretty short. It's 34 minutes, so if you can get used to the vocoder, then it's not really a lot of time to have to put up with it. Not that I should really be using that terminology in an album that I love, but it is it is kind of putting up with it at points. Um, to To his benefit, though... Tobacco's production on this album was really, really good. I'm a big fan of the way that he uses synths, and I really like the soundscapes that he makes in instrumentations, just not as much with his own voice. So. Yeah, it wasn't, again, like, I like Aesop Rock as a rapper. I just mm -hmm. think that a lot of his songs are a little grating for me, and especially on this one, I was a little, definitely not my style, but I do like that Rogue Wave song a ton, so maybe, like, without Tobacco... Maybe I'll get into Aesop Rock a little bit more. I think anyone who's trying to get into Aesop should listen to his albums that have come out more recently. Because as he's matured, he's gotten away from the more dense and experimental writing uh, styles that he's had in the past on albums like Float and Labor Days. Uh, I feel like None Shall Pass was kind of the turning point for him, where especially the song None Shall Pass getting such uh, publicity, I think kind of showed him or at least it led him in a different direction. So on Skeleton and Impossible Kid especially, it, it felt like he was hitting some much more accessible sounding songs, especially with Rogue Wave. This is definitely more out there in terms of his discography, but I'm a big fan of all of his stuff too, so that's why it still ended up kind of sitting in at 10. As far as songs that I would check out here, definitely Tuesday, absolutely Tuesday. That is the one I would check out. Along with 1 plus 1 equals 3, a lot of really like weird floating synths and thick bass. And then the last song on the project, Purple Moss, which almost gave me a very like Legend of Zelda, like video game feel to it. And that, and that was one of the things that made me appreciate um, Tobacco's production more. Is like in songs like that that can establish such a strong like vibe and personality to the track where it immediately makes me think of something like Zelda. So I would definitely check those three tracks out. Uh, Aesop Rock, Malibu, and or Aesop Rock and Tobacco are Malibu Ken coming in ten on my list. There you go, I love it. And my number ten is Michael Kiwanuka with the self-titled album Kiwanuka on your list. Not on my list. Not, not on, on my your list. list. Just, just nodding. I, there, there is a there was a feature by him on one of the uh, the albums on my list, but not not he himself. No. No kidding. Okay. So uh, I thought this was an amazing release. Uh, from Michael Kiwanuka, somebody that I listened to weirdly enough, I was listening, I was watching that um, that show on HBO, Big Little Lies, mm -hmm. and he does the intro song, uh, "Cold Little Heart," is one of his songs that came out in 2016. So when I first started listening to that, that uh, or excuse me, watching that show is when I first started listening to him. And then when he dropped this this album, I was absolutely hooked from this from start to finish. This came out a little later in the year, like early November, I think it was November first. 
Uh, there's a song called Hero on here, which was like my number seven or eight song of the year. It was Very on my top up. songs. Yeah, I loved it. And this album to me, man, like if anybody looking for like indie or folk soul kind of mixed all in, that would be what I would go like. I would go listen to this if you're a big fan of that. I think the production is super colorful. There's moments where like it'll make you want to dance and like almost bounce. Uh, there's some that just kind of like are kind of groovy and just kind of vibe out. And then there's even some songs that like are super emotional and like could, you know, you make you want to cry. Uh, just the there's just beautiful aesthetics on this album. And even in his music, he really does an awesome job of like I've said this a bunch of times. I love when artists use vocal samples or backing vocals to kind of heighten some of the instrumentation. He does a lot of that. And it really like his backing vocals and vocal samples help like elevate some like deeper musicality, makes the production seem a lot more lush. Um, I really, really love this album, man. It's it's one of like I would just say it's super easy listening. Uh, like I said, that indie folk uh, sound is just phenomenal. Like the song called "You Ain't the Problem" to start out this album is just just a phenomenal way to start the project. It's 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 got some like bouncy grooves, and there are some really nice. Like I said, there's some vocal samples that kind of come in and out, and he does a really nice job of like riding this beat really smoothly. He does he has a lot of great piano like influences here especially like i think that's really like the backbone of this a lot of these songs is the piano uh so like i said on that song it's incredible obviously a song like a piano joint mm -hmm. uh, another one all one of my favorites that too my favorite album. i love that that song too it's gorgeous i love his um his colors set with for, for a piano joint mm -hmm. uh, i absolutely just just i can't uh, know was... it or is it solid ground um, I'm not sure which one which it is. One was it? I, I can't remember too whether it was the colors show that like, was, was the first thing colors. that I that I saw from him, or if it was when you had um, mentioned that you were a fan of him. Well, um, I, there was definitely a colors one that he did. I want to say it was piano joint, but I could be very wrong about that. Uh, no, it was solid ground. It was solid ground. And they brought in the uh, they brought in like the little piano, the, the keyboard for him to play on all. For, oh yes, too. absolutely. Yep. And that's another thing I really like about him too is he plays a lot of the instruments. He does a lot of the instruments himself. Always on, have a big respect for that, which is huge. So to me, I actually so I don't want to like compare him by any means because I'm not doing this at all. But it's a similar vibe and aesthetic to Dermot Kennedy. But the only mm -hmm. the only difference with that, I think is that it's much more dynamic. Mm -hmm. It stays well out of just, like, that pocket. Yeah, it's not he, just a singer-songwriter. No, he completely gets into, like I've said, like, that that folk sound that he is able to bring in and blend in with the soul. It really, and even, like, those indie vibes, it really makes this more of a much dynamic listen mm -hmm. than, it, than, like, a Dermot Kennedy would. So that's why this is so high on my list, because I kept coming back to this album over and over and over again. It's just such a... Like, I've always talked about this, like, albums that make you feel something. This for me is it. Uh, and it's, again, this is a genre I don't typically gravitate towards as much, but Michael Kiwanuka does things on this album that really pique my interest. And he's, like I said, I've been a fan of his for a long time. So definitely give this album a listen. It is just just some beautiful music and a lot of, like just just the the music he's able to provide here and create is is special. Uh, so Michael Kiwanuka with his third studio album. Um, self-titled Kiwanuka, definitely a project that was a huge highlight for me this year. Well, and he also was, um, so I had mentioned in the start that he featured, it was um, the Little Sims album. He was featured on one song on the Little Sims album. Yes, he was. It was, uh, I think, the last song on the album, actually. That, oh, um, my God, that's right. He was on it. Yeah, I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Well, because he's, he's, he's an English uh, uh, singer as well. I think they're both from the same 
prob- like s- pl- similar area. Yeah, similar part of the UK. I can't remember exactly where, mm-hmm. but uh, I know that they're. It would make sense similar. for them to like know each other, especially since they're in such different genres. Oh, which is which is so cool that he's able to like cross over and do stuff like that. So phenomenal album. Love it. Loved it. Honestly, man, if it came out a little earlier in the in the year, it, it could have been higher. I think mm-hmm. if I had had a little bit more sitting power with it and. Even like it, it climbed. Like originally, this wasn't in my top ten. Well, especially by how much we consider replayability like a really big thing. When you don't have that much time to replay it, it's hard to gauge like how much you really would be going back to. Right. It. Like, is it still in the honeymoon phase, or is this something that you that, would have been yeah, that has staying yeah. power? And for me, actually, it was, it was actually in my high honors, but I actually bumped it up within the last like I'd say week or two mm-hmm. uh, because of like like that exact reason, the replayability. So yeah, phenomenal album. Check it out. So. Well, this is probably going to be very anticlimactic because I'm almost positive my number nine I'm not going to get to talk about yet. Tyler, the creator, creator Igor, unless that is also your number nine. Soon. Not oh, okay. Yet. Not very yet. Soon. Very soon. But so, soon. So we'll, we'll hear about this. You have to wait a little bit. But yeah, so Igor, I mean, no one's surprised to see this on both of our lists, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. So what do you got at number nine, then? Uh, I'm going to have to wait, so I'm sure we can go right to <laughs> Right <eight>. to Igor. <laughs> Uh, number nine is Old Paris. Yeah, we'll have to wait a little bit on that one. Okay. Um, only only a couple places, yes. Okay. Okay, so moving moving right along then. Um, so number eight for me. Okay, this one this one definitely no no way. Um, Pivot Gang and You Can't Sit With Us. Good uh, good project, but nah, didn't, so, didn't make it. So with me, this really, I really like this because anyone who's listened to us for a while, they know how much I like Saba. Um, Saba's song and, and album that. both took number one for me. And um, I love Smino. I'm a big Smino guy. Mm-hmm. So and and I mean, like we saw him live. I would love to see Saba live. And this is not the last time Saba's name will come up on on this list either from either of us. I know that for a fact. For sure. Um, but so if you like Saba, if you were a fan of Care for Me in the past, you will be a fan of this. Saba features on every single song through the whole project. You can tell how heavily he was involved in the production side of things too, because of how similar um, all of these beats sound to things that you could see on one of his projects. And so Pivot Gang, it's basically the group of like all of the guys that he grew up with from West Side Chicago. Him, his brother Joseph Chilliams, um, MFN Mellow. I don't know if that's supposed to be MFN or that's an abbreviation for motherfucking Mellow. I have no idea either way. Um, John Walt, who was Saba's cousin who had passed away, and that's what the song Prom King is all talking about is his cousin Walt. And then a bunch of other guys who are all affiliated with this group. And I just, I'm a big, I've been being a big fan of like the group and uh, like Posse albums recently, like with Beast Coast and um, like their album. And then one that I'm not going to say the name of because it's on our lists and it's going to be coming up pretty soon. I'm pretty sure, or at least towards the end of the lists. Um, I'm a big fan of these group cuts. And I think that this album really does it well. They hit. I don't want to say similar vibes to the whole song, so I don't want to make it se- or whole album, so I don't want to make it seem samey. But they don't try and reach too far out of all of their uh, wheelhouses. Like they're not trying to get very experimental here, which is I think probably yeah. So you're you're nodding at me now. It's probably what takes away from it for a lot of people. That's my drawback with it. It, it definitely yeah. can be kind of a it's it's 42 minutes, so it's not like it's overly long, but it's a lot of 40. It's not much variation within that 42 minutes. Agreed. Um, the, the songs that do vary usually ended up being my, my highlights on this, um, this album. And those songs were high enough that the ones that were a little less, um, 
were a little more underwhelming, kind of got pushed to the side because of these really good tracks like Colbert and Hero, Hero and Bible and Carnival. So like all of the songs that were really, really good were so amazing. Almost, almost, I guess, similar to what you were saying with um, the Post Malone album, where like the highs on that album were good enough that it pushed it up. And for me, they were good enough that it pushed it straight up to number eight. Um, I'm always a fan of the way that Saba like delivers his verses, but everybody else in the group also comes through, especially his brother, Joseph uh, Chilliams. I found him to be one of the better rappers on the whole project to me. I was Absolutely. pretty surprised. I didn't Absolutely. realize they were brothers. I didn't understand that that aspect, but... I thought he was one of the better acts on the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I think he put in incredibly strong performances. And when I listened to this a couple of times through, I had to go with, with it with the uh, Rap Genius lyrics because I wanted to know like who was rapping and like what. And yep. he, he was the name that as as it came up more and more, I was becoming more and more impressed with, with yeah. his well, Even right off the bat. Performances. In one of the first songs on the album, Colbert, he's the one who's... Um, uh, singing the, I'm pretty sure he's he's one of the ones helping sing the uh, the hook. He's got a great Dragon Ball Z reference in that song. In my glow, like I'm Super Saiyan with gold hair. Um, so uh, he really impressed me right off the bat. Um, you go from a track like Colbert into a song like Hero, where Saba on the hook is almost. I think I said uh, this was the song that made my list. He's like speaking in uh, cursive, basically in the in the chorus of this song, where all his words are slurred together. Oh yeah, you're, I, I had no idea what he was saying the first few times I listened to it's this. It's vibey song. as hell. I love it. Oh, it's great. It's great. It's almost like one of the things we were saying on the honorable mentions of like a song you don't really need to listen or think too much about while you're listening to it. It's just like really chilled back and fun to listen to a lot of great little flow pockets. And then Bible gives you the more like upbeat kind of like in your face approach instead. And everyone's a chameleon and immediately flips from like the super chill styles to this much more upbeat. And there's a little cool horn sample going on through the song too, that I'm a fan of. So I, I don't know. I was a big fan of this album. Um, I, I can't have enough nice things to say about it. I'll always love Saba. I'll love everything that he puts out. So I don't know. I would I would definitely check this album out. It made it. It dropped a little bit from my um, mid year list. I think I had it ranked maybe around like four or something like that in my mid years. So it's dropped to an eight. But I still I still felt like I deserved to to keep it in, especially how much I listened to those three tracks. So I would say Colbert, Hero, and Bible are by far the standouts here. Sweet. I love that. And now we can finally talk about Igor. Yes, there Number we go. Eight, there we go. Tyler, the creator with Igor, his new Grammy winning best rap mm -hmm. album. And so it's funny. I actually, I want to double back on something and talk about something really quickly, kind of go off a little bit of a tangent. So in our Instagram chat, mm -hmm. Pana was mentioning how, or he didn't even said this on the, on, on the, on, on the episode, on the episode too, yeah. how he didn't think like Igor should have been a rap album. No. And well, apparently neither does Tyler Yeah, because in, Oh, I loved that. In the wake of winning, mind you, he still criticizes the Academy by saying, like, why am I a rap album? Because it, I agree with him. I don't think it's rap. I think it's mm -hmm. more soul-driven. And why does it have to be in the quote-unquote urban yeah, the, like, like, categories? He, and he, you know and he I mean? expressed a lot of very strong feelings towards the urban category and him thinking that it's just, like, another way for people to 
basically still be minorly racist within the academy. Yeah. Like here, here's all the good black music that came out this year. Like, yeah, like what make the it hell? in rap and then in exactly. or something like that. When in all aspects, this should have been maybe like alternative pop or something like that. Oh, it, for it's, sure. It's definitely, I, I, I've been seeing Pano's point more and more and more. I mean, I did at the start, but I definitely see it now where it it's not necessarily a rap album, but they didn't put it in album of the year because then Billy wasn't going to end up winning it or they'd have to try and fight for number one between Billy Eilish and Igor. But that frustrates me that it wasn't nominated because I think it was one of the best albums of the year. I mean, clearly mm-hmm. it's at my year number nine. It's at my number eight. And with Tyler, what I love about him the most is that his ability to reinvent himself with every project that he does. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, say whatever you want about Tyler, the creator as an artist, because I think I know there's a lot of people that you know, they don't well, really... if you latch on to like the older Tyler from days past, like I can understand not really letting him like live down some of the very abrasive and head turning things that he said in the past when he was still part of Odd Future and mm-hmm. all of them were basically just using shock lyricism to try and get people to notice them, which it did. Like it, it <laughs> exactly. got the job done. Oh, for sure. And now he's putting out more musical albums like Flower Boy was one of my favorite albums of the decade last Loved year. Spoiler it. alert. Like Loved I it. love that project. And this was another one that was a little bit in that wheelhouse, but it still was different. It had more influences of Neo Soul and more funk than Flower Boy did. I think Flower Boy was much more just kind of like natural soul driven versus in like R and B. This was much more like had some grime in it. It definitely had some trap. Um, very reminiscent of like Kanye and Pharrell and like Earth, Wind and Fire and NERD kind of all mixed into one bag. Well, especially by how hands on the production was through the entire oh, thing. Sure. It was like it was all very meticulously placed. It's not just kind of like there to be a beat for the song. Like everything, yeah. everything served a purpose. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I don't want to keep kind of I don't go back to this really quickly. I'm not saying that I'm not happy that Tyler won a Grammy because I think he is long overdue to win one. Mm -hmm. But I agree with him in the sense that like, yeah, this wasn't a rap album. I probably wouldn't even consider it a rap album. At at best, it's probably hip hop at best, like or experimental hip hop. But essentially this album, and I I love the narrative of it because it kind of goes through this narrative of Igor, right? This person going through like like a tough relationship and a breakup. For somebody dating them and then having things fall apart in front of them. And then just the, the progression that somebody might go through, like emotionally, for it. And uh, you know, I, I know that so you've mentioned this before. I think it's interesting that this is kind of jumping into your top ten now because I don't remember this being on your mid year. It wasn't. It and wasn't. you were saying a lot like the tobacco sense that some of the like the vocal, uh, like this experimental vocal auto tune kind of effects he was using, not even auto tune, but like some of the, just the vocal effects in general mm-hmm. that he was using on this album was a little bit like it was it was much. It, it was, was a bit yeah. much at first because it's a it's a very big transition to make because when you go in thinking like oh it's the Tyler the Creator album like you thought that you would know what to think even after Flower Boy came out you could still kind of piece together a rough idea of what you expected it to sound like and this was just so very much not that it at was all. so much smoother than anything he's done minus Flower Boy mm-hmm. but even so but then there were moments of like like a new Magic Wand I, like that song is just didn't he perform insane. that at um at the Grammys and it was Bro. that was was like the craziest performance that ever, performance yeah. was amazing Not all the other copies that. of him coming out with like the, the, the wig on like freaking out oh my god it was so cool his 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 ability to belt out that entire verse that last verse on new magic wand mm-hmm. in one take it's it, and crazy. scream it it's pretty crazy. how do you have that vocal control it's it's amazing to me man like he's so talented like you even said like his attention to detail not only on this project but in all of his music 
is is just so amazing. Like, well, and that's what uh, ended up making me kind of change my mind about it is because if I can appreciate the production of it enough and think, okay, all of this is here for a reason, I needed to put myself in that same mindset about the vocal effects. Mm-hmm. Like, if he's going to be that meticulous about the, the album itself with, like, the beat, clearly this was a very thought-out thing to put this effect on his voice in these songs, so I needed to kind of get over that hurdle, and once I did, that was when I found myself enjoying it a lot more. Yeah. Exactly. I'm with you on that. I just I love the neo soul driven sort of production that's really here and most of this. I mean, I love obviously like Are We Still Friends is one of my favorites. I know you had I think mm-hmm. on your list. I had Are We Still Friends on mine, and that's actually one of the songs that I ended up having listed for it as one of my three favorites. As yeah, well. that yeah. I, I have also have Earthquake as well. I think Earthquake okay. is like one of oh yeah. Wait, so are we yeah. we probably have the same three top songs then from this one. I don't have I think I actually okay. have new, I have New Magic Wand. Got but it. I, okay, but I, gotcha. If gotcha. you were talking my five favorite songs, I think would be in there along with A Boy's a Gun. I love that mm-hmm. song too. But New Magic Wand, I think, is the mo- is the is the song that stands out the most here. And, and I love where it's placed in the track listing, that it's right in the middle. He's, like, so fucking frustrated with this person, like, going to find a new, you know, uh, a new lover, a new, mm-hmm. like, new flame, new, new, yeah, new love interest that and, – and just, like, kind of dealing with that, like, how we can all get so angry and upset. Like, I think every song on here, while even not only was it meticulously made, it was meticulously placed within – the track listing to be, mm-hmm. you know, I had to further to, the story to exactly. And it was so great for that reason. Uh, just, just almost a near flawless album to me. And, and it, it's an adventurous listen. I think the concept here is, is definitely worth just the experience of it. Yeah. And, and regardless, I think the musicality as well, it's just the melodic and charismatic nature. That's it's just, it's textured. It's vibrant. It has a ton of personality and it's introspective. And I just, I think it's one of his focus, more focused albums that he's had over the course of his career for sure i I loved this release man so at number eight i have tyler the creator with igor nice so up to number sevens now we finally get to talk about it yeah we so uh, you had mentioned i or actually i think i said that when we were preparing to start recording this episode there was an artist i knew we were going to have in common because when we were finalizing our notes i heard you put a song or two on by him so I'm curious to see now if we're going to end up having this hit exactly in the same spot or if I'll have to wait like one or two. Uh, number seven, I have Wale. Wow, that's crazy. Wow, that's crazy because <laughs> I have it at number seven too. Oh, my God. Here we go. It's happening again. This is wild. This I can't believe crazy. this happens as often as this does and us. well, And we keep saying like, oh, there's no way this time. We we At this point, we just need to say like, oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to have a lot of overlap. This is going to happen. Yeah. It's gonna have, not only overlap, but in the same spots. This is wild. So not, I won't use the wow, that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> we already I, I won't use that pun again. We've used that like a, min, a million times by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is one of Wale's best albums. I think so too. In his discography. I really do. I think Ambition might be the only one for me personally that like combats it. But in terms of him musically figuring out a sound that works for him and his voice and the way in which that he like poetically flows over songs. Mm -hmm. This album was it for me. Like the aesthetic matched everything that Wale has tried, I think to kind of figure out about his sound. I think he finally found it. Same. I really do. This was so good. This was one of the best song uh, albums I've heard from him. Like I said, ever. And one of the best rap albums of the year. Well, and uh, so, is it even rap? Honestly, it might not be. It's like it's, maybe it's, more like up the R and B, like soul, yeah. jazz, like even jazz. A lot of jazz influences here. Definitely a lot, a lot of pianos, a lot of horns, a lot of percussion. Uh, but the percussion more just kind of is like a um, 
not not a foundation for it, but it kind of just adds a little more of that hip hop s- sounds to it. Mm-hmm. The pianos and the horns to me are really like the that's foundation. The big, that's of what a really lot of these drives beats. like the general sound here, right? And honestly, I think the only track that's kind of not like the others would be the one with black expectations. I think that's mm-hmm. the only one that's a little bit more like atmospheric cloud rap. The rest of this, like, like I've said this before when we reviewed it with Pano on the Grammys episode, that I could see this being played top to bottom minus expectations, like at a speakeasy, like with mm-hmm. a live band behind it. And I don't yeah. think you could ever say that about anyone. Well, any of and did projects. you um did you see his tiny desk? He while I did oh a my tiny God, desk I haven't watched it yet, but we talked oh, about it's, it. Is it. It's something. It's yeah. something else. I, yeah. I wish that he could have done like my favorite tracks here, like BGM and Debbie. But I get that those are much more upbeat dance songs. And that's not really fit for a tiny desk setting. But man, the songs that he did on that tiny desk, the charisma that he has while he's doing it, the interaction that he's having with like the audience, it's all it's it's basically like he's with like he's almost treating it like they're all his friends and it's like the end of a party and someone's like, Oh, all right, like play some songs for us, man. And you're like, oh, Okay, I'll do it for you. And it, it's it's such a fun vibe during the entire thing. And it really shows how good of a musician he is, and especially it has that live band behind it, and it shows how well it fits. He he has such a great voice and I I never really was a fan of Wale before because when Ambition dropped his previous album that most people consider like the best from him, I wasn't really into like this genre of music, I guess. I was very one track minded up until maybe like 2012, 2013, where I was only really listening to rock and not like letting myself much out of that comfort zone. So I never really knew much about him. And then this album came out and it was like, yeah, I remember this guy's name. And I remember the song Ambition because like that song was everywhere. Rick Ross and Meek Mill, mm-hmm. which he has another great track on here with Rick Ross and Meek Mill, which I think that would be one of the only other album, uh, excuse me, songs yeah, routine. on here. Routine that's not quite like the others as well. Well, it seemed like they probably... were trying to almost recreate Ambition again. And it's not like it's a necessarily bad song. Like it's a very, very it's good song. Ambition. I like it. But it's as good, or, or close to as good, in yeah, my opinion. I think exactly. it's, it's, it's close. But it's I, I agree. I think it's not quite as good. Attention Deficit, I think, was the first album I heard from Wale, back when he did that song with Lady Gaga, and the name of it kind of is escaping me now at the moment. Uh, I'm going to look it up really quick just so that. It was mm-hmm. in, back in 20, um, 2009. He has a song, Chillin', that's what it was, with, with Lady Gaga, and then World Tour with Jasmine Sullivan. Those were like the two big songs he had at that point. And that's the first time I heard Wale, but again, project-wise, never really something that I was coming back to a ton. But, you know, he's been up and down for me. Like, I loved Ambition, The Gift that I really liked, too. The album about nothing was so-so. Summer on Sunset, I don't even really remember. Shine, I didn't care for at all. And while that's crazy, I think it's probably his best. So, like, Mm -hmm. there's – I think he finally figured it out, and I'm really happy that he did. So many just soulful, jazzy influences. Like I know you, your big song was Debbie. Oh my like, god, you know, I loved it, loved it. Just if you the dance don't track. dance to that song, then I don't know what is going on with you because yeah. that's that song gets anybody dancing. Yep. It's so good. And then love her fault for me yep, with Bryson Tiller. I yep. love that. Just the the piano on that is just beautiful to me. I loved Cliche with Boogie and Ari Lennox. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a weird mix of three artists. That I didn't think would ever jump on a song, but somehow it works. And yeah. I love that. Again, another like light atmospheric piano instrumental, but it, it like I said, it works for all three of them. And Ari Lennox had a really good year of like going on and giving some pretty strong features on people's projects I agree. too. I agree. 
I uh, loved On Chill with Jeremiah. I thought yep, that, that was, was really the song great. that was kind of leading into this album that we had for like a little bit before it dropped. And then one of my highlights, big time, I think, besides for me, love and cliche and Debbie, there's so many good songs on here. I love 15 the safe with pink sweats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the glossy keys on that track a ton. I think just like I said, I really think Wale found the perfect sonic pocket for himself on this album. And I'm so happy that I like a Wale album as much as I do because he came out with something truly brilliant to me. Well, I'm so happy really this did. came out in the time in the time of year it did as well cuz like we were still kind of holding on to just a little little bit of weather. It was like early October, so the cold hadn't quite hit us yet. So I'm excited for was, this in the spring. That's what I'm saying. Once the weather gets really nice and sunny again, I cannot wait to be riding around and absolutely bumping some of these songs. Oh, me too. I'm so gonna... actually speaking of bumping these songs, what are, what are the three that I'm going to be hearing hearing out of your car, Mike? Uh, so these, I really, like I said, I really like, uh, obviously, Love, uh, Cliche, and, oh my God, it's so tough. Do I want 50 in the safe or do I want Debbie? I do, do 50 because I'll, I'll have I'm, Debbie I'm in gonna, mind. I'm so going to go 50 in the safe, yeah. So then I'll start mine with Debbie, and then I got BGM and Love and Loyalty. Those are going to be the three out of me. Definitely all three of the ones for me are following that like dance upbeat vibe. Those were like the was, most that was what hit ones. me. And I went back with the more like relaxed, chill kind of like poetic mm-hmm. type songs that he was having. So, but he had a great contrast of both on here, and I like those songs just as just, almost just as much. So. But uh, yeah, you're number six because we both had that at seven, so that knocked out my seven. So yeah. from uh, Mike's number nine and my number six with our guys that we've mentioned on the show a million times before, gotten to talk with them after their shows. Mm-hmm. Great guys make great music with Owl and their album Paris. We have had a very bad track record of pronouncing their name horrific. We have wrong. it now though. We, we're on a good streak now though. We're good. Yeah, we yeah. Now, um, so. Until we get told otherwise, which I'm sure is coming at some point, <laughs> considering what's happened to the previous two times. Um, but yeah, I mean, with this album, it, it really, I think, took both of us by storm. Like yeah. we had that first song that we both listened to of No Parachutes that was one of their older, or no, no, um, actually first it that was, was Snow Globe. Snow Globe, that's that was how you got older number, song. Yeah. And then that led us to No Parachutes, which was one of the leading singles from this album. And then, and then the whole thing dropped. I lost my vinyl. We found my vinyl, quote unquote, found the vinyl. We got it bought back for me. The we, whole big thing went on with this album. We've been through this talked about this album at nauseum like i can't imagine like we we've we've talked about these guys so much if if you're not fans of the show just go back and check out any of our last episodes our march album reviews our mid-year albums albums. our mid-year songs our final songs and then our our finals and our whole show and tell dedicated to their Uh that 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 episode as well with for them that we went when we went to their show yeah we're just huge fans of these guys New, new jersey based uh you know I'd say probably alternative bordering yep. on the indie side, but they have like some other influences. Like they have a little bit of punk in there. Uh, they definitely are a band that you should be looking out for. And then I'm stunned is not bigger. Uh, one of the best alternative albums I've heard in quite a while. Mm-hmm. And I think I said this before, like there's a couple of albums this year that's taken me somewhere mentally. I think uh Kiwanuka's was one of them. Uh, I've talked about this at length, James Blake being one. Spoiler, it's going to be here on this list sometime mm-hmm. soon. And then, of course, I think Paris was the other one. I, I mean, I have it on my wall right here now. It's it's 
I'm currently yeah, looking right at over it. Over Mike's shoulder. Yeah, we mentioned on the last shoulder that I had big or had uh, Denzel over my shoulder. He's yeah. got he's got Owl over I got his Owl, shoulder. Um, and uh, actually, our our guy Anderson Pack and the the vinyl that uh, like started this all. Malibu. Yeah, I had to put it up on the list. It's right next to well, yeah, next to the uh, our logo up here mm-hmm. for sure. Either way, though, man, like this album, we've talked about this so much, it almost doesn't need any more than we've already said. But just go check this out. It's amazing. There's Seriously. Some, just some really like just amazing instrumentals here that we talk a lot about like how they, they brought in a lot of keys and strings into their their band which is very different than a lot of alternative bands mm-hmm. and uh, they they had mentioned that they had they were missing um like the the normal string player the violin player the violinist, when they were yeah. um at the show in boston and although they didn't stop him from using a violin bow on on the guitar during, so during cool. some of the songs love that absolutely love that um so yeah, no, we we have talked about this album time and time and time again. If you want to get a very good in-depth feel of uh our feelings on this, definitely check out one of those old albums, but otherwise you're in for great indie rock music. Um and for me, I would say my favorites off of here are easily Weather Report, No Parachutes, and the one that made my year-end list Being Human is Weird. I Being Human is Weird especially is just the song on this album. I've, I've repeated and come back to all of these songs and this album as a whole time and Me time too. again. That's why it's but, so high on our but list. This song, this song especially, like yeah. being human is weird, just kind of hit me in a certain in a certain way that just has left a lasting impression. Definitely will for a while. For sure, I got weather report and being human as well. Of course, I mean being human is weird. Excuse me, uh, weather report was like on my year end album. I mean, excuse me, year end song lists. And then I other song I really liked on here a lot was Funeral. Mm-hmm. I thought that, that that was actually the I had four listed and I, I wrote next to it like pick like delete one and delete one and yeah. then as we were like doing notes earlier that was the one I had to delete yeah. off as Funeral. Yeah, so like like Cody said earlier, go check out our March album albums review. Go check out our show and tell on them. Go, go check, check out, out mid year like we've talked or albums. Yeah, if you want more dialogue on this album and these guys in particular, go look at those those episodes because we like I said, we've talked so much about them. So and, and rightfully so. And uh moving on to my number six, you get to finally talk about this one. This was in your high honors, Gary Clark Jr.'s There this we land. go. There we go. Crazy that this somehow, some way gets in on my number six. Yeah, that's a lot higher. I, I just shouldn't say shouldn't say a lot higher than I expected it to be, but it is definitely definitely very high. Well, on the midterm it was three. That's which true. was high. And I and I even said that too. Like for an album like this to be so high on my list, like I'm not a big rock guy, but Gary Clark Jr., his ability to mix in influences of blues and surf rock and even a little country and then hard rock alternative jazz even though there's some hip-hop synthy stuff that's going on in here some reggae sounds that are going on in here like his ability i think to be not only versatile but just flat out shreds the guitar man like Mm -hmm. that alone he's one of the modern day guitar gods like He, he really is like Watching him live, that show at House of Blues, stunned me, man. It really mm-hmm. did. And that's, I think, what's catapulted him so far for me. And it was one of the best shows I've seen in years was Gary Clark Jr. to me. Uh, there's so many good songs on this. Obviously, for me, I loved uh, Low Down Rolling Stone. That was one of my favorite songs of the year. Uh, last year, I had that on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really big fan. Uh and then, of course, I really loved, like, I Got My Eyes On You. That was your favorite song. Yep. I mean, a little bit more stripped back and slower, but really a f- phenomenal listen on that one. 
Well, and I actually, I can't remember who it was. I think it was like Guitar World or one of the publications like that. They had Gary Clark Jr. as being in their top five best guitarists of the decade. And I definitely would agree with that. He's he's, he's, he's kind of phenomenal. He's he's kept like the guitar vision alive of like when everyone, when every little kid who first starts playing guitar, like for me, it was seeing ba- like older bands like ACDC and seeing someone get up there and do like windmills, like Pete Townsend from the who on stage. And it was seeing guys like that, that almost seemed larger than life getting up there and playing Gary Clark kind of has embodied that role for like this generation of guitarists. Cause there aren't really many who really embody that guitar god feel. A lot of them, a lot of the guitarists who were really, really proficient through this era were going more into, like, the metal and the progressive rock side of things, which is just harder for, like, the average person to get get into. So Gary Clark has kind of kept the true, like, guitar hero alive, uh, alive and well in the current era, and I'm very happy for that. I, I love the way he can basically make the guitar wail, like when he's playing oh, on yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and he just came away with a bunch of Grammys, too. Like, this is amazing I know. to me. He got I'm three so out of the four he was that. nominated for. Yes. The only one he missed was a music video. And I mean, that has less to do with him than it does any the actual like creator of oh, the video, exactly. the director. So I would yeah, get, what did he won? He won Contemporary Blues, Rock Performance, and Rock Song of the Year, all for this land. So that just goes to show not only the reach that he had this year, but the Academy agreeing that, like, yeah, this guy, he, and then that's what kind of makes me upset about a guy like Tyler, the creator. He should have been in some a bunch of different categories in hip-hop. And you're looking at it already, that Gary Clark Jr. was in blues and in rock. Like, mm-hmm. it, So that's really cool to me that people are recognizing the greatness of Gary Clark Jr. and his versatility because some of these songs on here, he's singing them, and then you go to another song, and you think that it's somebody different, completely yeah. different, like a different artist singing it and a different artist playing the like the guitar. His singing is almost like uh, Danny Brown's rapping when he goes from like the That's really a really cool like, comparison, like high pitched, like weird, like antsy thing to when he occasionally is just like yelling in the weird low pitched voice. Like, wow, this is two different guys. But and obviously, Garrett Clarkson doesn't have either of those like types of vocals Voices, that you're talking but, about but in, in in the idea or the concept of yes he has very he put on a bunch escapes, yeah exactly he put a bunch of different hats within his sound it, it really just shows just how like i've been saying i keep using the word versatile but it's just it's it's just a worthy word for him there's so many good songs on this thing I, for me i like my top three are probably pearl cadillac mm-hmm. the guitar man and of course uh low down rolling stone but i mean this whole album is incredible like this land is so politically driven love the messages that he has about racism and like inequality his vocals are like super passionate and versatile i loved his uh his performance at the grammys i was stunned mm-hmm. that the grammys had him play that song yeah uh, that that, that kind of goes that was a very sh- strong message for them to like allow on their stage to give yeah. a platform to you know because i wouldn't <laughs> have expected the academy to be progressive like that mm-hmm. i would have thought them to be a little bit more um the other conservative yeah Yeah. so yeah he just has some really epic finishes on all these songs but to me yeah the the top three i liked a lot were were, like i said pro cadillac the guitar man and low down rolling stone from this album so but the whole thing is incredible and see i had guitar man pro cadillac and i've got my eyes i got you instead so pretty similar but yeah this album was was amazing and probably my favorite rock album of the year Mm -hmm. i I would say it was my favorite rock album of the year but I, I feel like there was a couple other ones that still would have edged it out, even though this one did still sit into my my high honors. So we're now into the top five. Crazy. Wow. Top five albums Top five of albums. I think we're going to have a little bit of overlap here with at least like one, or at least there's going to be 
two albums that we had to hold off on for a little for sure. bit that we're going to talk about now. Not this one though. I, I, I I'm pretty pretty confident. Not this one. Number five for me is the Vermont Collective, Ninety Nine Neighbors, and their album Television. I was hoping that they were going to. I was oh, waiting for them to be on your list. I was I, I was wondering. I almost they forgot. Steadily rose. They steadily rose because they they were on my um, mid year list. Uh, well, speaking of that, I just recently listened to Lock and Key again for like. Because I remember I listened to the album once, like way when it came out, but I couldn't tell you a song off of it. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't hear the song. I'd be like, oh yeah, that's that song. I listened to Lock and Key, dude. Man, now I just have it in my head right I now. Went, I already off my mind. Oh, it's so. Oh man, dude, I really liked that that song a lot. When I reheard it, when I listened to your top songs of the year playlist the other day, and I was like, okay, I need to listen. Like I had to sit down and listen to your your songs. I heard that again, and I was like, "Oh no, wonder why this is on here. This thing's a friggin' this, oh, it's so a groovy good. jam. It's dude. so good." It. And uh, actually, crazy story about Ninety Nine Neighbors. I know we've talked about this album, this artist, a pretty good amount here. Um, so I was in school on Friday, and there's a kid who comes to see me for help pretty frequently. And um, I forget how we got on this topic. Whether I like heard music coming from his headphone, there was there was something that got us on the topic of music at the end of the period. And he had mentioned, he was like, oh, there's a like group that I'm a big fan of that you might not have heard of before, 99 Neighbors. It's like, oh, do I know them, man? You're like, like, on my podcast, I've oh, talked well, about them many a time. Well, not, I actually <laughs> had to like flex a little bit. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know they're from Vermont. And he was like, oh, I loved that track. Um, oh, he, what did he say? I think he said, uh, it was one of the, it, he said Ripstick. He was like a big fan of Ripstick off that album. I was like, oh, that's not, that's not on that album. That was a single that came out, off like after the album. So we were talking about this group a little bit. He actually had mentioned that a good friend of his, did um the bass work on one of the songs on this album and no he, way he apparently texts like one of the lead guys of this band like all the time i think he is going to like a show of theirs soon and is trying to get like backstage backstage passes from him or something like that so this kid actually like knows this band it was the coolest thing ever and now i kind of want to be like hey ask them if they want to come on a podcast you should <laughs> first of all that'd be sick if we got nine neighbors crazy. on here but also i think they got on one of the music big music festivals if i'm not mistaken no they, they're in a couple they're, they're in a couple, in a couple. I, saw, um, I saw them on some lists i'm so pretty sure festivals. i'm pretty sure they're playing firefly i'm pretty sure there's at least one other festival they're doing uh this year i, I wanted to say they were in boston calling but i don't think they ended up getting on boston calling uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, not to go off on this tangent, but the Boston Calling uh, list this year is a little bit interesting. Definitely more rock. Driven. I was right. I was right about I was theorizing that it was going to be Rage Against the Machine for a very, very long time to be the last um, main artist. And it did end up being Rage. They're on. So I'm looking at it now. They're on Governor's Ball mm-hmm. and they're at Bonnaroo this yep. year. And they're members. at Firefly and they're at Electric Forest. And like they're, they're at, at uh, Fifth Street, Virginia mm-hmm. Beach as well. So they're doing they're doing a lot of festivals. I'm really happy about that. Something in the water. I, I might be going to Firefly this year, and so I might be able to catch them down there, and that would be unbelievable. I would love to get to watch these guys live. So, I mean, for anyone who hasn't listened to the show much, because we've definitely talked about this band before, it's a big collective of a bunch of different artists from Vermont, and I would almost consider it sort of similar to Dreamville in the sense that they all try and have a similar artistic vision. It's not necessarily that they all have exactly the same sound or even do the same type of uh, delivery where it's like singing or rapping or whatever. They all just have a communal vision of what they want their songs to sound like and feel like. And that's 
again, what I think makes these songs a step above other ones because there's a common motive and there's a drive behind all of them. So you'll have songs like Lock and Key, like we just talked about, super sultry, super smooth, got female vocals right up in your face, and that's why it was one of my favorite songs this year, really bright and happy. And then you can go to a song like Red Rum that's like much darker and shows off the rapper's abilities a lot more. And then you have Fly that has like a guitar-led beat coming in for it. It's almost like spoken poetry instead. So there's just a lot of different sounds here that you can piece together. Pano has definitely been a big fan of um, of this album or at least a couple songs off of this album ever since I think... Strangely enough, I, I think one of the songs from this showed up on um, his Spotify Discover Weekly. I believe it was Fly. I think Fly showed up on his Discover Weekly, and he was like hooked on them right after that. So I, I'm really happy to see that they're kind of branching out to the point where my friends and even like high schoolers are somehow knowing about this band. They definitely deserve a lot of recognition. Their audience seems wide, and it's good. I, I like it in the moments, like like a like a like you said, a Dreamville or like a Brockhampton. Even they mm-hmm. they kind of have that similar, a feel good, just gonna make music to make music, and you know to connect with people. And I think that Nine and Nine Neighbors they have a, a really great authenticity that really helps with them. I I, I, I wish I wish honestly I'm not gonna lie I wish I had given this album more more replays uh, and more spins this year because I think if I had it would have been somewhere. See, I think that I remember having a similar sentiment during the mid-years. I think that, like, during the mid-years, this one may have, like, barely snuck in or something like that. And I remember saying, like, yeah, I really, really didn't give this album enough credit. And then in the last, like, week or two when I was putting together the list, that's when it really kind of hit me how much I enjoyed all of the tracks on here. So as far as the best ones, it's basically ones that I've already mentioned here. Um, I would definitely check out Lock and Key first and foremost. Then go into Red Rum and Fly. Those three, I think, would be my favorites out of here. Yeah, I love Doc Lock and Key. Big, big fan of Lock and Key. So, so. good. All right, what do you got for us? What's your number five? I think we're going to have to wait. We're going to have to wait? Yeah. Uh, you might be shocked at how low this is for me. And I'm gonna, I have an explanation as to why it's as quote-unquote low oh, as it is. Oh, no way. Mm-hmm. This is about to be what I think it is. It's and low. I actually think I know the reason for it, too. It's low. Dreamville, Revenge of the Dreams Yeah, we, we do have to wait for that. We do have to wait for that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I, I have a feeling the fact that it's a it's a, like a posse thing is probably going to be what takes away from it a little bit that in terms is, of scoring. That is the reason why it's number five because when I actually I had this at one, not to get too much into this, but now because I want to wait till you know obviously it's on your list. But I, this this was my number one album for mm-hmm. like a while, but the when I really really broke it down and I thought about this like early December, like mid December when we were really trying to finalize the the lists. When I really boiled it down, when I like my top five or six albums were for like for sure. Like this land was probably like right on the cusp. But my number my five albums that were my best albums of the year, I like was pretty clear on those, right? Like Dreamville, Revenge of the Dreamers three was one of my favorites of this year. Definitely in the top five. But when I come try to compare it to the other four albums, I, I kept saying, Okay, it's about as good as the other four, or the other four are about as good as this. Maybe I enjoyed Revenge of the Dreamers three a little bit more than some of the ones in my top five mm-hmm. but I, it, the crutch of it being a compilation album is what draws it out of a little draws it back just a little bit for me because i do think that when you have now now sometimes there, there's that that saying like too many cooks in the kitchen mm-hmm. and that could have been very much as easily you know been a negative towards this project i'm not saying that it is 
I'm just simply but saying, it doesn't give it as much credit because to as compared to like one individual artist putting right. an album out, like putting out an artistic vision or something. Basically, that, almost yeah. the same reason we felt like it it didn't deserve a Grammy win either, because mm-hmm. even yes. though it was the best rap album that came out this year, it's not necessarily deserving of a Grammy for it since it is contributed to by so many different so people. many people. But we'll definitely get into that a little sure. a little bit more sure. um, absolutely when, when that comes up. So. Moving right along then, number four, we'll finally get to talk about this. Anderson Pack, Ventura. Yeah, man. So I'm really excited he got a Grammy mm-hmm. for album of the year. I think it's, so for me, it's good confirmation bias for you and I because we're people that I don't want to like say like, oh, like put our, you know, be all we were on Anderson Pack before everybody else. But like, I kind of always felt that way. Mm-hmm. And even now, like I, I mentioned Anderson Pack to people. It was and, our first episode. It was yeah, our well, very first episode. Well, it absolutely was. It was the reason why you and I started this and begin with because when we met, an Anderson Pack song was on and we were both like, Oh, you know, you know him too. Like, you know, that's where we figured it yeah. out because I've always for years have been pushing Anderson Pack on people. And they're like, it's like, Hey, here's someone who finally already knows, like already understands mm-hmm. the greatness of Anderson Pack. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was so happy that he got a Grammy for this album. I think it was so deserving. R and B soul album of the year is what he got. I think he got even, um, best rap sung collaboration with for come home. Is that true? Um, didn't he get two? I, I or he was at least, he he was at least I nominated. I believe he did. Um, and then he had the nomination the year before for um, for Bubbling as well. Right. Well, yeah, that. but he he got tied. Remember, he tied with so with weird the, with the um, song from the Black Panther, which I, mean, I can't remember the song. Yeah, which future. clearly shows how much it deserves to, to tie. What was it? Not. Um, it was the future. I can, I can picture the the video. J Rock, Kendrick. Yeah. yeah. Miss me with that bullshit. What song mm-hmm. was? You know, wow, you're a tourist. Yeah, what he got fuck? he got R and B performance for Come Home, and he got R and B album. That's what it was. Yeah, exactly. And last oh wow, year. look at this. You know, another example of Tyler the Creator's uh, point that he was trying to make. 2017. Malibu nominated for Urban Contemporary Album what? of the Year. Yeah, let, let, wrap your mind around that for a second. How how is that not R and B? How is that not an R and B album? That is like the definition of what an R and B album should sound like. And they put that's it into fu- Urban that's Contemporary. Fucked up. That's fucked because up. he's a, a newer artist. So it's like, all right, yeah, we'll just lump him in with. They didn't. Yeah. Know what that tells me, and that's Tyler said says this too. That tells me that they didn't really listen. No, they to didn't. The album. They knew it had buzz to it. And like, all right, yeah, here we'll, we'll toss it. They the didn't nomination. fully listen to it, which which just makes me so sick because that album, as we are talking, unbelievable. It's, 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 it's to the to the left of unbelievable. me. Unbelievable. To my Top head to right bottom. now. It's it's literally on my wall. Like it, it's incredible. Either way, uh, Ventura was phenomenal. I liked Ventura better than Oxnard. I did too. I I'm glad that he held on to some of the influences and like the styles that he found on Oxnard, but I'm definitely glad that he went back to the pocket that he sits in more on Malibu, which and is the reason yeah. why we liked this album. More. And we've said that a bunch of times already. I mean, not to get like too in depth with it, because like we've talked about it so many times. But yeah, no, I agree. Like, I think the it's definitely this musicality. It matches Malibu. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely more like 60s and 70s influence than I'd say Malibu was. Uh, I still don't like it as better than Malibu. Oh, I still think Malibu is his best is his best work yeah. so far. It's, it's yeah. going to be really hard for Malibu to get dethroned in I don't my think, mind. I don't think it ever will. That, that album holds a very, very special place for me. So Agreed. It, it's going to be tough. Agreed. But this comes close. This comes close to it. I think in terms of like quality, it's right there with it. My personal connection to it didn't happen as much, but that doesn't take away at all from this album in terms of the quality of the music. I mean, even just looking at the first 
four songs here. Come Home, Make It Better, Reaching Too Much, Winner's Circle are the first four songs on this album. Those are all fantastic standout tracks here. Like, Good Heels is a little bit less, in my opinion. It didn't, like, grip me as much. But then even right after that, you get Yada Yada, King James, Chosen One, Jet Black. Like, there's only... I was at a big most, fan of Jet Black. Loved Jet Black. That like at favorites. most, there's only maybe two songs on here that I would ever end up skipping as I'm listening through this. Maybe three, and the rest of them I'm going to be sitting there and vibing to while it's while it's happening. So I I would loved this album so so much. Um, this one also got the Dre production on it, but it was way way less apparent. I think that was what both of our gripes with Oxnard was is that. Dre's production at certain points almost seems to be or seem to be combating with Anderson Pack's style. And I think in this one, they definitely hit a much better, like symbiotic relationship with the beats and the vocal deliveries. Well, Anderson Pack did more, I think, of the of the production on here, if I'm not mistaken. And mm-hmm. I think that's a lot more similar to what Malibu was. So I think for oh. me, I really think that 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 is the reason why I think Pac just had more of a hand in this being his project. I'm fine with Pac going, you know, and doing an album with Dr. Dre and doing mm-hmm. Oxide. It came out great. We loved it. We did a whole episode. Our first episode was dedicated to reviewing it. So yep. I I think that this one was more, though, rooted in what makes Anderson Pack special and, and separates him from the rest of, like, soul R&B artists these days or urban contemporary artists. oh my god so dumb Ugh, i hate, but, I, dude, hate so that shit. I actually found out something really interesting about this album that i don't think we've mentioned before this album was actually recorded at exactly the same time that oxnard was they were recorded they were recorded I did simultaneously that. i did hear and that. and I've, I've, i'm reading this this is in front of me right now adding a little more detail to it he said in an interview at the end of like the summer in 2018 that the original album was oxnard ventura but then they decided to split it into two albums, and that might be why that first album had such why these albums have such distinct, different sounds. Maybe in that big track list, they realized like, hey, we're really pulling two different directions here. Let's just split it, and then take all of these like really smooth, vibey tracks, put them on Ventura, take the tracks that are more up Dr. Dre's alley, put them on Oxnard, and then release it. I think it was only what like five months apart on these releases or something like that. So it was th- less than half a year. It I know was that. it was six months because uh, this came out April twelfth, and then uh, Oxnard came out like November something. Mm-hmm. So no, it was about five months then. No kidding, about five months. So and that's pretty crazy to me that he produced or was able to come up with that many songs to fill out two full length albums that were both by all rights good albums like this one better than Oxnard but both of them being very good. I think just I think people that like hip hop got more into Oxnard because I think mm-hmm. that was more of like a, a alleyway to get to him. This was again like we said much more rooted Back to his roots in yep. in the roots that we gravitated towards him because believe it or not and I've said this before too. I didn't like him on on um, on the Compton album that much. I, I didn't I didn't think he fit very well. I thought his his voice was kind of whiny mm. and, and there was certain and, points of it that I wasn't a huge fan. Of. I didn't yeah I didn't care for it. And when I originally came across his Malibu album, I was like, oh yeah, this is except the for guy. animals. Except animals, for animals, yes. that song is a jam. I was so yes. happy when Compton finally went on Spotify so I could listen to that song again. Oh, yeah. But when when Malibu came out, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the guy from the Compton album. I didn't really care for much of his stuff. But then I heard The Bird. 
the very first song. And the I was the word came to me. Oh, it's right off the bat. It pulls I you in. was hooked from then on out. And just again, so many amazing songs on that project. But the only album that ever had that effect on me like that was um, Telephone by No Name. Like right off the bat in the very first song, I'm like, oh, I'm going to like this. Like mm-hmm. just from the, the first few notes of the production, I was like, oh, this is going to be it. I'm going to yeah. be listening to this one for the next 35, 40 minutes. Yeah, this was a this was a great project. I It, it hurt me to not put it in the top 10, mm-hmm. but there's just stuff I went back to a little bit more this year. And I think because I think it's just it's, it's my own thing. I got to get over it like. He's never gonna make another Malibu. Yeah, I need to just kind of get over that 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 idea. But uh, my what would you have for songs here? Yeah, yeah, my favorite tracks here. I uh, liked "What Can We Do." I uh, mm-hmm. liked "Come Home" and "Make It Better." Those those are my favorites. And, so uh, just yeah. to not have the same ones as you, and that's the only reason. Because otherwise, I would literally choose exactly the same three: "Come Home," "Make It Better," and "What Can We Do." I have to pick "What Can We Do." I can't not yeah. make that. I've I mean, I've met, said that that song is one of my favorite songs like on. of all time. What, what can, can we, we do? <laughs> what can we? Oh, it's so oh, good. It's so but good. just to get another little bit of flavor in here, I definitely would say behind Come Home and Making It Better, um, Reaching Too Much and Jet Black would be my Those two, two favorites behind, behind If that. we had five, those would be the other two I'd put in as well. Mm-hmm. So we so, probably basically have the same ones. So. Yeah. That, it, such a good album. Oh, such, phenomenal. A, such a good album. Just so many just great harmonic and melodic moments here. So really, really just enjoyable tr- over, overall. So, yeah. Nice. Awesome. All right, what do you got, got for us? Number four, right before our top three. I got James Blake assumed form at there number it is. four. There it uh, is. James Blake, so it's he's, he was my number one at the mid-year. Uh, he fell a little bit f- short. Uh, there were three albums that jumped him. And, you know, but nothing to take away from how amazing this project was for me. I've mentioned it many times that this album, like, sonically, like, it really took me somewhere, put me, like, a very relaxed, vibey feeling here. Uh, it's just really a phenomenal experience. I know you liked it a lot too. You had it on your high honors, right? Or was it honors for you? It was in my high honors. High yeah, honors, it was actually yeah. the la- the last one in my high honors. Just just barely missed making my ten. A- Aesop edged it out. Now this won a Grammy too, and I'm surprised that this got. This was, I guess, according to the Academy, this was considered an alternative album, which hmm. again, like I don't really know. If it's all yeah, it got nominated for all, or was or was it yeah. nominated? It, it didn't win. No, it didn't. Oh, okay, um, so it was nominated. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I thought it won. Yeah. Oh uh, wait, wait, wait. Um, he 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 won uh, the Grammy last year though. That was that was King's Dead. That was that's what that was the other rap that's song. That's the one. It's King's Dead King's with Dead. uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. the one that, that that just was about uh that tied with with, with bubbling. Dumb. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He Either was way. barely on that song. Yeah. This album to me, man, was just, like I said, a beautiful experience. I love instrumentally how it's just very textured and layered. It's got some like nice lo-fi and minimalistic cuts, but then a lot of it's a very lush and blissful. There's a lot of variety to it. A ton of variety. It. Intelligently produced. I wouldn't say this overly produced at all. He leaves a lot of like room for these instrumentals to breathe, and they blend really nicely like with a lot of like the synthy vocal sounds he kind of puts out there very more hip-hop rooted than a lot of his other releases which is really cool to see considering how many features he's had like on king's dead in the past Mm -hmm. he's been very very intertwined with the hip-hop scene and he even said that himself which is like kind of one of his goals that he had going into this album Mm -hmm. yeah no i I agree with that and there's a lot a lot of variety here which has like been rare for him in the past because i likened him a lot more like a like a bonnie vare like in the past like he Mm -hmm. has his music was a lot more rooted in, in like the, the like the electronic, like soulful electronic elements, and he kind of takes a step back from that and puts it into much more hip hop based. And but like I said, a lot of those lo-fi ambient 
minimalist type of uh, influences you're going to like here too if you like that kind of music. Um, some amazing piano samples and key samples throughout the project. I love like the fluttery flutes on Mile High. Mm-hmm. I love the violin string line on Into the Red. I love like the watery keys and the synths and like that light bongo drum type beat uh, that's on uh, Barefoot in the Park. Uh, I thought his features were intelligently placed. I thought Andre 3000's heady ass verse that we've talked about before <laughs> that uh, obviously on uh, Where's the Catch that songs was on my top songs list, but. The other song that probably should have been there, more honestly, was in, uh, Barefoot in the Park that I just mentioned with Rosalia. I mean, that track is just absolutely beautiful. It's it's a gorgeous song. It's gorgeous. It's like one of my one of the most beautiful songs I've heard ever. Um, I thought the vibes that he brought in with like Metro Boomin and Travis Scott were really cool. Like obviously on Mile High and then Tell Him, which was one of your oh, favorites. Yeah, so that's probably my favorite on the album. Yeah, so. I love the laid back smooth nature of it, but also it has it's kind of rooted like there's some definitely some hip hop influence. Man, I just I love this album, dude, and, and it really hurt me to have to throw it to number four, but uh, it it just it did something to me this year and really kind of just gave me some perspective on just life. And and I know that sounds a little too like how could you get that from an album, but. Yeah, that's I what really, music does for people. I really music did, Music comes from emotion, so when you take in that music, you can sometimes feel that same emotion, and that sure. definitely comes across in a lot of the songs here. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, like, especially, in like, like from my favorite track, Tell Em, like, I got so wrapped into it because of how chilling it is. It's such a crazy, almost like, not frightening, but eerie, like, almost like a suspense movie type, where, like, mm-hmm. you're on the edge of your seat, but that's the vibe it gets through the entire song. I've always been a big fan of Moses Sumney's voice as well. And I think that they paired each other really well on this because they both go into that like light, airy falsetto uh, register a lot. So it made the transition from one feature to the other really smooth. Yeah, no, he he places the features here perfectly. So mm-hmm. I yeah, I thought this overall this project was was phenomenal and uh, definitely one of the best of the year, no question. Mm-hmm. My favorite tracks, of course, are Where's the Catch, Barefoot in the Park, and I'll throw Mile High on there as well, because just for the vibe. But I also love Power On, too. I just love the sentiment of that that track. But yeah, those are my three that I really, really liked the most. So And mine are pretty similar. I, I would go with Tell em, Barefoot in the Park, and Where's the Catch. Yeah. I mean, it, Barefoot in the Park and Where's the Catch are just kind of no-brainers yeah. for anybody who's listened to this. Like These are major standout tracks. And then for me, Tell em just kind of hits a lot of my personal preferences. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah, James Blake, we're assume uh, form number four, and we are into our top three. Now, it's I know exciting. two of yours. <clears throat> yes. The other one, I'm, I'm, I'm well, not actually, sh- no, you, you actually, at this point, we all three of mine have been mentioned now. Oh, really? So, yeah, there, there's, I'm if, trying to if, remember. If anyone's been taking notes while you've been listening right now, uh, you, you probably have, have pinned down mine. Because this actually, actually, the first one is one that uh, you, you mentioned and we haven't gotten a chance to talk about yet. So number three, I got YBN Corday. Oh, with that's Lost oh, okay. Boy. Now I definitely he know you're talking. All the way up to number three that's for me. That's awesome. That's pr- it's pretty that's crazy awesome. to me. And and this his placement didn't actually happen until I was really finalizing the list. And it came down to like me looking at the album lists, listening to songs, and I did the same thing with the tracks where. I would listen to my album top to bottom, and it, at no point did I feel like I'm hearing a song that was worse than the one before it. And if I did, I would change the order. And that's kind of how Corday ended up jumping up. I was like, okay, I shouldn't have any albums 
that like I think, oh, wow, I liked this one better as I was going down the list. And Corday just kept jumping up and up and up. And then especially getting to see him perform a lot of these songs live was what kind of set him apart. It gave you a bit better perspective. Ex- on his, exactly. On his music. Like, yep. like yep. especially even like the last song on the album, the lost boy, seeing him perform that one at that show was so good. There was so much energy to it. And I just, I love how quickly this kid has come on the scene and kind of made a name for himself. I mean, the first thing I ever heard of him was probably his response to, um, J. Cole, the J. Cole's 1985, Mm -hmm. and then him coming back at J. Cole, basically firing back, saying like, hey, like not all of these new young artists are just saying nothing. Some of us do have something something to say, say, and like you don't really have the same perspective that we have to make our music make sense. So seeing him now have a full-length project like this get... A lot of recognition, too. Uh, I mean, he got nominated for a Grammy as well. Not for the song that I think he should have gotten nominated for, but a nomination nonetheless. So I, I'm so happy that this album has gotten as big as it is. And I think me and Pano have been very outspoken fans of YBN Corday. Um, he's, in this album, really gone away from his like SoundCloud rap roots and finally gone into some more like beautiful and out of his regular wheelhouse productions. He fleshed out some really brilliant ideas on this on this mm-hmm. album and executed them like to perfection yep. most of the time. Like I agree with you. I love like obviously We Go Make It's my favorite song on here. And mm-hmm. I know you loved R and P and went definitely love one of my tops it. too. Love it. And can we just say like can I just say something real quick what? about Anderson Pack? Why is it that every single time Anderson Pack is featured on a song, it's immediately better? Mm-hmm. Immediately, like the dude can't miss. Ever, he, ever he since never he misses. released Malibu, he has just not missed. Every single features. feature he he has, he kills. Mm-hmm. Like it's. Crazy. I would even consider the um the No Worries and X Worries like album. I mean, it's not. It, it is a collab album, but I mean, technically, it's all features too. And that album's fantastic as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, he he's killed it. And then especially in that song, oh my god! And then like their performance on uh, was it Fallon, right? That was like a night after the album came out, <clears throat> or a couple nights after the album dropped. And their their ability to have so much charisma with each other, so having known each other such a short amount of time, it basically feels like you're watching two people who like grew up as best friends. Like, oh, we're gonna make it in the industry one day together. And then they're performing that song together. Like that's how strong that connection feels between them. And I, I like from Pack. That's not surprising. Like everybody knows that Anderson Pack can give a lot of charisma. That's like what we love him for. But then for YBN to be able to match that, that is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like we we said so many times, like wow, Pack is the only one who can really give charisma like this. Not anymore. Not anymore. Because now we have this kid on the scene who can do just that. Yeah, and he he's just brilliant, dude. I, like he's more lyrical than I ever would give a twenty two year old credit for. Like mm-hmm. thousand words. Uh, obviously, like we said, meet we gonna make it is one of like that's super mm-hmm. lyrical in terms of some of the content that's on that. And Even then, some of the stuff he says in Thanksgiving too. Thanksgiving, like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we we reviewed this album at length on the Grammys episode, uh, Grammys preview that we did a couple of couple episodes ago, not not too long ago. I think it was like November or something like that when we uh, when we dropped that. But very similar in terms of like how I feel about it now that I did then. I I still really loved it. Uh, I, I said it didn't get higher than, than wow, that's crazy, and that's what happened. But I, this project certainly grew on me more. Like I, I liked certain songs off of it, like Bad Idea, We Go Make It, and RMP. Those are probably my three mm-hmm. favorites, even with Thousand Words probably like in that mix too. I liked those four songs so much. 
didn't find myself going back to the full mm-hmm. album nearly as much. However, as the year went on, I liked it more and more and more mm-hmm. and more. And that's why it ended up being like so high on the high honors for me. But yeah, man, just just a really great, great album. And, and, and really happy to see him get recognition for how good of a project that this really is. So. Well, and I, it, I love that he's showing off some of his different, different abilities, too. Like, in if I'm not mistaken... I'm pretty sure that he is the one singing during like the Sweet Laud uh, skit right after. He's a great um, singer. Right after Have Mercy, which, by the way, that skit I've said before is like sneaky one of my favorite songs on this whole album when they're just sitting there doing, doing the Sweet Laud, like just going like super soulful vocals. So big, big fan of that. And then there's like later on when he's doing the um, Grandma's House skit and it's like him singing with his actual grandma, some old 1990s uh, song called Trouble in the Way. And I, I feel like that almost helps add to the charisma because it, it's such a human aspect. Like mm-hmm. who who isn't going to like this guy after hearing a song of him sitting there singing with like his, his old grandma? His grandma. Like, yeah. come on. Like, you, especially with a lot of want? the complaints that you would get out of like all oh, these new rappers these days. And it's like, oh, they're not grounded. They don't all have this other stuff. Perspe- like they, they don't have perspective. They, they have no respect for their elders. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they don't. And then you'd see someone like YBN at the forefront with a song with literally his grandma in it so big big huge fan of this uh this album as as far as songs that i would check out here it's it's honestly really hard for me to pick i'm looking at a list of like all of the songs thinking how the hell am i gonna single just a few of these out but if i really had to obviously rnp it made it onto my year-end list for the singles but behind that i would probably have to go with have mercy and Oh, it's between Thanksgiving and Thousand Words. I'm leaning Thanksgiving, so I'm going to go with Thanksgiving instead. Awesome. But it, it's really hard for me to pick songs here. A, yeah, the whole album is, is at this point. Phenomenal. It's like splitting hairs, like yeah, for me to try exactly. and pick these. So aside from R and P, like the rest of them, it's it's really tough. One of my top three albums, I have a very similar issue. You'll you'll see. Like I just I I couldn't pick three songs. Mm-hmm. It was impossible. So, but uh, awesome. I'm really happy to see YBN that high. My number three. So I think people if they know you probably know one of them you probably know two of them because one of them obviously is you've already mentioned that i haven't said yet Mm -hmm. that you said on the last episode uh in honors and the other is a group that obviously i freaking love and the other is going to be like the biggest shocker in the whole world but number three for me right now is going to be of course brockhampton ginger I was wondering where it was going to place in the top three. Like, I, I know what one of the other ones is for that top right now, too. So I'm really, really curious now, like, what the order of these are going to okay. be. Okay. So number three, Brockhampton with Ginger. I love this project always. Of course, Brockhampton, anything they put out, I'm on it. Um, to be completely honest, I think I might like this better than Iridescence. And Iridescence was my favorite album from last year. And I I feel like this album was a continuation from like the last couple of tracks off of Iridescence. And it kind of flooded, like it was almost like a floodgate into this project because this this project dealt with much more of like their introspective and like personal opinions on like some of the turmoil that's been going on with the band for quite a while. Of course, talking about Amir Van. Uh, a friend of the show, Tyler, uh, came on for our uh, Brockhampton Ginger review, which if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely go check that one out because we get very in-depth with not only this album and reviewing it, but also Amir Van's EP and sort of like the message behind that, and which has become a little bit more clearer now 
that he's gone on sway and really like explained himself a little bit better than he did. I thought than he did in the album. So I'm, I'm really happy to see, I think hopefully Amir van getting, not only getting the help that he needed and most probably still needs, but that he's kind of going in a direction that's a little bit more, uh, you know, positive. Like he's, I think, finally starting to move on from all the turmoil. And I hope that Brock Hampton does too as a group. I was hearing some rumors that, you know, they're probably going to stop making music pretty soon, uh, that they have like three or four albums left, but then they're probably done. I hope that's not the, hope that's not the case. But, uh, you know, I think that over the course of the last three years, I don't think there's a group that has put out more music at a more consistent rate in terms of quality. And this album does it again. Uh, really for me uh, like I said uh, on the last project that they had uh, Iridescence I thought that um, the last couple of songs definitely could have been on this album you know like like a San Marcos Tonya and Fabric those all mm-hmm. probably they, they, if you listen to Iridescence and then Brockhampton uh, from Brockhampton and then you listen to uh, Ginger after right after Iridescence you can kind of hear it how it like progresses uh into it i would say that because i like this one a little bit better than iridescence i think the reason why it's a little bit more cohesive in terms of sound um i think there's also like a lot of vulnerability and vulnerability and then growth musically uh on some a lot of these songs obviously i love dearly departed it was in my top five songs of 2019 um I really like a lot of the more stripped back and lo-fi ambient sounds that are on this. There's much less abrasive and more overproduced uh, songs on here than there have been on a lot of their other other uh, albums. And I think that's the biggest gripe for Brockhampton. I think that a lot of people think that a lot of their songs can be a little bit overproduced. And I do think that this album strayed away from a lot of that overproduction that mm-hmm. they have. Um, a lot of the production's a lot darker, um, but it's more open and it gives it more opportunity for not only the beats to breathe, um, but it allows for a lot more of the introspection to kind of come to the forefront here and the more lyricism to come to the forefront. Um, very few bangers on this album. Uh, I think if you pray rights, maybe the only like real ba- like true banger on this project, but really just it's just really because the horns are what give it that life and depth. Um, it's amazing how one instrument can change, like, the isn't vibe it so much like that? It's amazing, and but if you listen to the rest of the beat, not there's not much of else of if you pray right, that's that gives it that. It's that gives it that. Those it's horns. just those horns mm-hmm. that are very charismatic. Um, I, like I said, Dealer Depart is a highlight for me. I Sugar was like a close one. I'd say like one. That B. song's huge right now. I that's another that one that's catching like a really big. I think it's like another big TikTok trend right now that like something's like some <sighs> dance routine or whatever. I mean, that's all that it ever is on, on right. TikTok. I'm not a big I mean, TikTok guy. Oh, so I don't I, really... I'm not either. But just having had to deal with it with students and everything now, it's like inadvertently I know what you it have is. to right. So I, I know that that song is also huge. It's right amazing. Now. <clears throat> I mean, I love just how catchy it is. I think Ryan Beatty's hook is one of my favorites of the year. Uh, for me, like Sugar definitely is a huge highlight. And I love like the gloomy, heavenly production on songs like No Halo and even Victor Roberts. Uh, Victor Roberts, the rapper that's named after that song, he gives a very um, just incredible verse. Uh, it's His flow is, is just impeccable to me. Uh, and his imagery of kind of like, basically he talks about a lot about um, like police basically like breaking down his door mm-hmm. and trying to like find 
drugs in his house that weren't there and like them planting them possibly and all this all these things that he just kind of goes into and you know, just the emotional emotion of it i really suggest people should take a look um there's footage out there for it i, I watched it live actually of course i wasn't there but they did a surprise pop-up concert for the release of ginger in la and they taped it and they got this victor roberts uh, artist to end up rapping on that on that song towards like the very end of the of the um, of the show, and just the um, raw emotion that he has as he's rapping, he like almost starts crying at the end. It's really just it's a beautiful moment, and to have Ryan Beatty at the very end, bareface at the end, give us some of their like vocal ad libs that they give, and just uh, it, it's just it, Brockhampton to me, man. I, I love them so much because of the message that they they provide and they give in their music. I think mm-hmm. that, that's been a big drawing card for me and what they represent. And as hard as it's been to not have Amir Van there, because like he was one of my favorite you know artists in the group, I've obviously like I like I've said this before. I said it. I agree with their choice to get rid of him. I think that it's better for all parties involved. I think based on what Amir had to go through. Um, I hope that Brockhampton turns a corner here after this project. I, my hope is that they don't f- keep just kind of harping on this mm-hmm. and that they just move on. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's my fear going forward with their music. That's just going to be more and more I'm, dealing with the same tragedy over and over and over again. Yeah. The same, the same issues again and again. Yeah. I'd like for them just to kind of close the door and mm-hmm. move forward. I think Get a that, fresh start. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, my, my favorite songs on here are Sugar. Dilly Departed, and I liked Big Boy a lot. I thought that was a super catchy track, but another kind of banger, but like not really like lo-fi banger. Mm-hmm. Um, just a sad album, but really musical and and sonically appealing, and definitely one of my favorite projects of the year. Shout out Brockhampton; they just continue to make fantastic music. So that's my number three album. Well, is Ginger. Speaking of sonically appealing, we have the band that basically defines that for me, and is the reason why they ended up. Catching number two on my list, uh, it's surprising absolutely nobody. Well, maybe someone thinking it's, wow, it's not the number one. Emotional Oranges, I'm, The Juice, Volume 1. I'm stunned it's not number one. The, the, so I I was really looking at the track lists here and what songs I listened to the most. This is the only thing that decided number one versus number two for mm-hmm. me. Because I think in terms of a creative statement and how good the songs are, these albums are equaled for me. I think what might have almost put this at number two instead of number one was the album lengths. The other album that we'll end up talking about next, for me, just had more to it, which meant that there was more good songs, whereas this one was a 27-minute tightly packed like jam fest during that 27 minutes. Now let me ask you, if you were able to put Volumes one and two together would that make a difference in terms of yes, your one and that two? Yes, that would that would absolutely that would make absolutely a be okay. a that number was my, one. That was my, that was my absolutely would be a number one. If it album. was a true album, and and this was actually a lot harder to pick volume one versus volume two than I would care to admit. Like it was, it was <laughs> very very recently. Were you up late at night? It was like... it was tough, man. It was really tough because where where I feel like number one is the more solid project in total. I feel like number two had some of the like better highlights in terms of like overall. I mean, my the biggest highlight is still built. I still built think that built way. that way is the biggest highlight out of all of them. But then on the other on the other album, you have like West Coast Love, iconic, just like you. Don't, Don't be, be lazy. lazy. So that's what oh. I'm saying is like they had such all of the songs that were hits on that one were major hits. 
but this album, The Juice Volume 1, is just so solid front to back for me. There's, I love every song on here. The other album had a couple that I did end up skipping from here and there. So I think that's what like ended up making this one beat out the other one. But I mean, we've talked about emotional oranges so many times. So many times. I I love the mysterious vibe they still have of not knowing what like their names are. And they always kind of cover their faces with those like stickers on their Insta posts. And so like no one really knows who these people are in their everyday lives. And they get to live out having this amazing recording career and then also still be like regular people out on the street, not getting mobbed by fans. Is it possible for them to have a nostalgic sound? But yet, I think they're almost ahead of their time. I think so. I, think, I, I really do. I think that I, they it's, are it's strange very that much ahead of their time. I feel like this is almost the nostalgic sound for this time period. I think that we're going to go back in like 10 years and be like, yeah, man, this really was the, the album that kind of like gets me into that headspace of the late 2010s, early 2020s, which is weird to say now being the first year in the 2020s. So I, I just really, really love this album. It blends R&B and soul and pop so well. The, I agree. The way these two people bounce back and forth off of each other, it, it shows the chemistry that they have, which I like. I was fully convinced that they were dating for like the longest time, but I think they each have significant others outside of each other. And I'm not mistaken, the female singer definitely is either bi or something like that. I think she's, she's mentioned that in, she's in mentioned like songs and in, in so, uh, interviews and things like yeah. that before as well. Um, so I, I want to catch them live. Oh, I really want to see them live. Oh, I want to yes. I want to see them perform like from the videos I've seen them put on their Instagram. They seem to really hold it down. And like I feel like with a lot of pop artists, they end up falling into the unfortunate downside of because there's so much like studio magic. You go to a show and it kind of ends up underwhelming, especially if they actually try and do most of the vocals live, which you should. If you're a recording artist, you should be performing your songs live. But this band has no problems. Like, um, V will regularly post on Instagram of her singing little bits of the songs backstage with no effect on her voice, no auto-tune, no reverb, no nothing, and it still sounds beautiful. So they're just very talented, man. They're I very agree talented. with everything you're saying. The one thing I think is a, a hurdle or a potential crutch for them is their content. Yep. And that is what <laughs> mm-hmm. I think why it was a high honors and not a top 10 for me because of that for that reason. Yeah. Every song yeah. does end up kind of going back to like the relationship troubles. Yeah. And that's fine. I'm not I'm not mad about any stretch for that for, for it, but I just don't. I don't know. I'm not going to hold it too heavily against them until their next project. If if this project is basically like the project of the heartbreaks and then the next one has a lot of new refreshing sounds to it, I'll accept it and, and, think, yeah. and think, okay, The Juice, Volume 1 and 2, those were just about like previous relationships and you're getting into the juice of them and you're like mm-hmm. really like kind of spilling your heart out. If they then start going into having songs that go into other subject matters as well in their next project whenever it is be a lot happier exactly and and i won't hold this against them if i do continue hearing them only use these same repeated themes then i feel like it's going to kind of negatively tarnish their legacy in my mind where as of right now it seems like they're hitting a a stride of songs they're good with i don't want them to be a one-trick pony it's basically yeah, my thing. I, so I gotcha. This is almost like a, a very tentative number two of like, I love this album right now. Hopefully they don't prove me wrong and don't end up just continuing making similar music. But for right now, man, do I love these guys. Mm-hmm. So as far as tracks off of this thing, obviously built that way. Built I'm that way you. is no as a no brainer for me. Um, I would say my next favorite track was probably Personal. Okay. Um, love Personal a lot. 
um, just talking about two people kind of being on different pages and upsetting the other person and then trying to make it up to them later on. And as far as the last song, it's really, really tough. I think I think I'm gonna go with Corners of My Mind. Okay. I think I'm gonna go with Corners of My Mind as my third favorite off this awesome. album. Obviously built that way for me for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna hold you back and unless you're drowning. Mm-hmm. I like that. Don't hit me up unless you're, you're drowning. drowning. <laughs> it's cool, I don't care about oh, it's so good. And so even cool. in that song they have their back and forth. It shows it so well. But I yeah. like when they do that the most. I think their back and forth when they kinda like intertwine their vocals mm-hmm. is really, really cool. So Oh hey, very worthy of a two spot. I'm I'm glad that you uh you kept them that high. I was shocked it wasn't one. Mm-hmm. Yep, no, one one had to go to a different album, unfortunately. Or actually fortunately, it's a very good album. Mm-hmm. But before that, let's let's hear it. What's your number two? Number two. You finally get to talk about them. Mm. Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib. There it is. Bandana. It's been a long time. Long that was one time. of the first albums that I had mentioned in my honor roll. That yeah. was that was, I think, like the third one in after Quelle Chris and Black Midi. Yeah. And I didn't want to give it away and be like, yo, you're gonna have to wait till like a very long time for this. But mm-hmm. so Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib, it was my number two album at the mid-year, and it was able to keep itself at number two with even as many so- albums that came out uh the last, you know, six months after the fact. Um, of course, this is the second collaboration from Indiana rapper Freddie Gibbs and West Coast producer Madlib. Uh, Freddie, I think, mentioned that he wrote a lot of these songs while he was in prison. You yep, can just kind of tell, like, the lyricism here is some in the in the imagery is some of the best of the year, like in my opinion, and maybe some of the best I've heard in the last five to ten years. Like, he's dark and confident uh, with his cadence, but then his flow just. It just oh my god they're such a match made in heaven. This duo like, can't miss. They can't miss. They cannot miss. Like, From pinata to this, like it's unbelievable. There are so many subtle nuances within Madlib's sample based beats and percussive percussion that he made that he makes that I miss it. I've missed it, and then I go back, even on like, I mean, dozens and dozens of listens. I'm finally finding small little nuance details that I still they didn't notice before, mm-hmm. and. It just goes to show, like, just I, I don't even know where to begin with this album. It's just, it's so incredible to me, and there's so much to, to say about it in terms of like the production. Like, I, like I said, I obviously I've talked about the samples, the the percussion. There's some really nice blissful keys, and like I said, just this the percussion's so punchy on everything mm-hmm. here, and Mad Lib's production it always sounds clean, and it's not too clean. You know what I mean? It always sounds super clean. It doesn't sound super sterile. Crisp. Yeah, like it's not yeah. to the point of just being like, oh, this is like a, just a produced hit. Here we go. Yeah, and and Freddie just finds the pocket on all these song on these tracks and flows over all these instrumentals I feel like so effortlessly. I feel like oh he's best God. at just finding the way that this beat yeah. is going to sound best with and almost treating his voice like another percussive instrument over the top. Oh, for sure. And he has a lot of great themes here. He talks a lot about like his own flaws and his vices throughout his own life, his struggle of like kind of growing up in the hood, his gangster and street lifestyles. And just kind of, he talks about like how all these, much of these influences can like affect a young man trying to like navigate their way through life. Um, Making something positive of himself, just like how difficult that concept can be. Um, I love his dark and gritty perspective. And it really it contrasts so nicely with like the cinematic Hollywood style beats that like Mad Lib has put together. And like, I think for me, the album cover is so cool. Kind of look the, like with um, the Winnie the Pooh characters yeah. kind of overlooking Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I feel like, like, like this vast land of like, I wish I could be in that 
sort of element, but I can't be because it's just not who I am. You're on the outside looking in. And I think that's Freddie Gibbs. And I think it has been for a long time. And and Freddie's not somebody that ever, like, you know, tries to make music to just be famous. Um, Not at all, yeah. Not at all. And man, like, there's just so many, so many great songs. Well, here. I like, actually do love uh, how, like, in the this album cover had like the zebra in it, and then also on Pinata, the out, outlining border of yeah. it was also a zebra. Like, very, I don't know if that was intentional whatsoever or not, but I love that like small little connection there. Oh, super cool, man! Like, I think this freestyle shit just oh. brings oh those command those it horns shows are you so what to commanding right off the bat, like right off the bat in the beginning of this album. It's kind of getting you prepped and ready for what you should be expecting for out of Freddie from that point onward basically mm-hmm. and i it's it's just gangster rap to its fullest ice cold flows it's it's so great and then right from that you go into like crime pace that has that incredible rising key sample that like repeats itself mm-hmm. over and over again it's it's such good stuff in here man that's why it had to end up making it into my uh my honors list where it, i didn't even really listen to it as much as i would care to or as much as i would have liked to in the first half of the year and then it was more when I started fleshing out the lists, and especially Giannis, like once I started listening to that and then going back to the album, that's what really pushed it to finally like kind of make its spot on my list. Yeah, no, I and for me, like I listened to this album front to back so many goddamn times this year. There's only, of course, there's only one album I played front to back more, which is my number one album, mm-hmm. but Bandana was played so many freaking times this year for me, like again and again and again like and not i not not a song here i, I don't I, I can skip i really mm-hmm. I, and picking three songs off this was like damn near impossible but i'll try uh Giannis, yep fake names mm. which i just every time i hear that song it blows my mind and then i like situations but there are other songs here that i that i were almost right there too like crime pays was right there freestyle shit was right there cataracts it's funny you literally oh just God. say crime pays and freestyle shit because those are the other two songs that i had in my top three Giannis. it was it yeah, was Giannis, Giannis. freestyle shit and crime pays oh, and i love cataracts man too like it's old school Mm-mm, cataracts it's so bouncy and just like man like i get so happy when i listen to bandana bro I really do, and I, lo- I love the most deaf feature. Uh, oh on, yeah, uh, on that and last I'm not even getting into the features yep. like um, Palm Olive with Pusha and Killer Mike. That really super high pitched whiny vocal sample, which is kind of almost a little grating at first when you mm-hmm. listen to it, but then it, it once you settle in with it, it's it's just it's a song that that has so much personality to it. Yeah, and, it's, it's and, like that really big belt vocal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Freddie Gibbs Mad Lib Bandana number two for me from 2019. I, this this was probably like it was the most consistent listen I had all year, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, it I wanted so badly to put it one, but when I was really looking at it with this song, with this album, and this my number one album, which I'll say in, in uh, a little while or pretty soon coming up, um, it it came down to a personal like like how my number one album personally affected me mm-hmm. and bandana, and the lasting impact it's going to have on it, you. For, oh for sure and bandana didn't quite have that bandana was just like such an enjoyable listen like mm-hmm. the most enjoy one of the most enjoyable listens i had all year so that's my number two here we are so i know you're number one with number i'm ones. curious to yeah. see if you know my number one because we haven't we haven't said it, and like I'm really struggling. I'm really really struggling. To Do you try know it? And... Do you think you know it? Do you think you'd be able to figure it out? 
I definitely know yours. I, so like, I know we, we always try to introduce each other's number ones. I can absolutely introduce yours right now. Oh, yeah. I know you know what mine is. I know for a fact you know what mine is. What damn album have we not talked about yet right now that's going to be at your number one? This is blowing my mind that this isn't immediately coming to mind. I knew this would blow your mind. Especially, especially since for the, the songs, it was like so automatic of like, oh, yeah, and Cody's song and Mike's song is going to be. So I, I actually don't think I, I know what your number one is going to be right now. Right. Well, I think it's going to fly under the radar. It, this flew under the radar big time. So I'll, I have a long-winded thing I want to say about it, so I'll save it. Let's, okay. Let's let's talk about Dreamville. Yeah, Cody's yeah, so number, number one. one. <laughs> Cody's number one album of the year, Revenge of the Dreamers three. It my number absolutely five. is. So I the thing actually is what you just said about um, the Freddie Gibbs album was the reason why this was number one for me. Consistent listening, I think that there wasn't a single album that was the soundtrack to my summer than than this this, was this album. This, this was, was the song. Like yes, YBN and uh, was getting in there. Um, and there were some other tracks that Tyler were... was in the middle. I had exactly. Denzel a little bit sprinkled in there. Flat, exactly. Um, and uh, Beast Coast was mm-hmm. like kind of in there a little bit in the summertime. But, but... Revenge of the Dreamers three again, when, when this again, dropped again, in early July, again. it was nonstop and like not even just specific songs. It was this whole album front to back, nonstop. Front now, back. for anyone who doesn't know, I don't know how you wouldn't know. It's it's been said a many time, many many times. There were 343 artists and producers invited to this recording session. They recorded for 10 days long, had like 140-something songs that they recorded in total that they've been sprinkling out through releases throughout the course of the year like since this album came out. And it, it just shows, again, how good music can be when you get a bunch of people together who are like-minded, have a similar motivation and drive, and are willing to work with each other to make a very good finished product. The fact that there were 140 songs and they cut it down to 20, those people have to be so non-egotistical to get yep. that final track listing. Like you, you might have every single one of your songs cut out of the final product, oh, yeah. and you have to be okay with that. Like, And that's why I think this works so well and why we got the cream of the crop we did. Now, real quick, have you heard the deluxe version yet? I have heard the deluxe version. And I can see why those songs didn't make it. Me too. Because I don't except, think that... Except for um, the last song um, on the deluxe version. Still, oh, still dreaming with still Jin dreaming. Black. That, that song, wow. Believe I it or not. I don't know how that didn't make it. Believe it or not, my favorite crop from that from that director's cut, what I guess is what they're calling it, the deluxe version, mm-hmm. is I like Disgusted with Cause and Childish mm-hmm. Major. That's well, Cause has a huge, like a huge verse on that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But Still Dreaming was awesome too. But either way, not to get into the director's cut, but that original, those 18 songs, I mean, obviously Sacrifices was like a top song for both of us. That it was, was, yeah. it was, it was in our top three. That I was both my song, yeah. Yeah, and so we loved that. I mean, we went at length. I mean, go, if you want to hear like a more in-depth uh, review of Revenge of the Dreamers 3. We did a, a long-winded review with Pano. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a whole uh, episode dedicated to it. I can't remember what number episode it is Like at this very moment in time but when uh, this came out we were all very very excited about it oh it was we had to, we had to give it a full review as soon as really we could. oh of course yeah and that's how it testament how good it is it was episode 13 mm-hmm. um on the regular not the night school but um yeah so so many just incredible songs here i mean this anywhere you could start i mean down bad was the single mm-hmm. and then i remember we loved that song well, and i obviously. love that he let jid take the forefront in a song so early on this record it really shows how much trust cole had in jid 
and his abilities to make him one of the first like main artists featured on this. I mean, the first song was great and had like the baby in it and everything. I thought the baby's verse and, was one of the best on here. Oh, like, it definitely I mentioned, was. And I still feel that way. It's it's what slowly started converting me about the baby. I was just completely not against him, but I just like had no interest whatsoever. That verse came out. It's like, oh, maybe. Maybe he does have some redeeming qualities, and then he like released Bop, and then that's a great song. I love that one too, and the video is so much fun. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, then right after that though, we have Down Bad, and I mean, Young Nudie tef- technically starts it, but like he doesn't really doesn't do, do anything, and then all of a sudden, like JID comes in right away, Snaps. relentlessly, and oh my, it's so so good. All of them do great on this verse. Like Cole has that, like oh hell, King Cole, first of his name, long may you reign. Like I love the way he flows in that Johnny Venus. At shreds it up on his verse too so it's and then like song for song the very next song Lambo Truck oh, one of my one of my huge highlights I love this song yep like mm-hmm. just the back and forth of cause and reason at the very end. That yeah, shit and they're is just like hysterical. talking about like going and like like one of them's gonna go rob Cole while the other one goes goes and robs top. top. Like, yeah. Oh, it's it's so cool and it's like it's it almost feels like we're going back to the old school like bouncing back and forth collab tracks. And then from that we go into Swivel, which we already talked about in the Earth Gang record, and it, it, it's it's so good. And then Oh Wow Swerve after that, which is actually probably one of the most annoying songs on this record for one reason and one reason only. JID's verse at the end getting cut off before we get to hear the end of it. Mm-hmm. It's just and the very swerve, and, swerve and, just, and then immediately it just cut ju- the volume off. out. Like yeah. Cole, you got you got to give us this full verse. I don't care if it wasn't finished. Like I want to hear what he oh, said yeah. here. I want to hear the rest of this verse. Mm-hmm. I was big on like some of the. I love some of those songs too. Like I loved obviously like Lambo trucks phenomenal and down bad but some of the later cuts too. Like I was big on Costa Rica. Love Costa. Rica. Like I love that posse cut there. Like. But Buddy to me really shined, and I think Buddy was an artist that I used to listen to quite a bit before this. But I hope people are kind of coming on to now because I mean he is hysterical on 1993, and he, like I said, he drops a great verse on Costa Rica. Um, you well, know, ski- isn't yeah. he the one at the end of uh, Costa Rica? It's like for the homies, for, for the, the homies, yep, yep, yep. and uh, yeah. And then 1993, he's like he's the one that comes in every once he's, in a while. He's trying he's to like, like direct like, everyone back on. No, 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 no. We are smoking. Rapping. We are not, not talking rapping. about. We are not. <laughs> yep. Stop rapping. Start passing. Like he's just <laughs> he kills me, bro. And uh, he's so funny on so on a lot of these cuts and. I love like the night, the old school like boom bap sound of 1993. Mm-hmm. I love the. But I love like, him clowning on J Cole at the end of that too, yeah. saying like, "Oh, like, you grew some dreads. <laughs> you think you smoke now?" Oh my god, yeah, he's he's something else. And then wasn't he the one that gave Cole crap about the? Or was Cole the one that? Who was the one that gave Cole crap about looking like he needs? Uh, oh, the, like no, the charger. For a charger. No, that's yeah. um, that is in. Uh, the JID album. That's in the That's JID right. album at the end right, 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 of right. Off D's. That's right. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, oh my God. Well, so. dude, in Costa Rica, it's the first time, or not the first time, but one of the examples that we get to hear uh, Chorus Master 4000, aka Guap Dad 4000. <laughs> this dude, like, I don't know how you can have such a flash in the pan of Guap Dad 4000. Every song he's on on this whole Kills album it. is so good. Every song outside of this album is so bad. Like, <laughs> it, like, like unfathomably. Like me and me and I don't Pano, get it either. Me and Pano really tried. Like we heard him on this. We're like, wow, he must be good. And then we listened to his stuff and just hard pass on the so majority funny. of it. But holy shit, on this album, does he put it together? Like he's hilarious in Wells Fargo. He is amazing and don't hit me right now. I love that hook as well. Wells Fargo Great. is 
insane. You know, it's something we can all relate to, going out and robbing a Wells Fargo bank. <laughs> <laughs> now, every time I drive past or see a Wells Fargo, that's the only thing I think about is this song. It's so funny. And I love the clip in the uh, the documentary, which if anyone hasn't watched it, definitely which watch the documentary. Which we talked about when we, when we and, and I this, love yeah. the clip in of them doing this song. All, it's exactly what you'd picture. They're just jumping up and down in Jid, the booth. Jid's coming out sweating, and Cole's like, what's going on? And Cole's like, I mean, Jid's like, bruh. It's, like, it's crazy in there. Yeah, like, well, it's getting crazy in there. <laughs> it's getting yeah. crazy in there. Oh man, I, this dude, this album to me was like you said, like a, as replayability goes, this is probably one of the best albums of the year. If not, I just you figured out, one. I just figured out your top album of the year. I think it just dawned on me. Sorry to this, like, no, 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 like, right, like, keep it, because no, because it's a, you, there's a song from it that made it into your, um, into your top. Mm, I, good job. I, I know, you thought. You dude, did some I know what it is. I, I'm pretty thinking. sure I know what it is. I'm gonna take a guess when we get there. But okay. wow, sorry, we're, to we're close. This, no, that's this okay. Workflow, but no, I, we're that good. Just, we're like, close. Dawned on me. Let's let's do let's do best tracks because like, yeah, we've talked about this album so much. Honestly, it's. It's crazy. To Just me real how good quick, this is. It's so hard to pick three songs off there here that are the best. Well, it's easy to pick one, two of them. One of them sacrifices is, in, is, is obviously a there for me. That's a no brainer. It was my number two song of the year. You know, it's, it's unreal. It's so hard, but I'm gonna go sacrifices under the sun. Lambo truck. I think I'm gonna go with sacrifices. Costa Rica. It hurts me to not put Costa Rica mm. or Down Bad in there either. I'm going to go Down Bad. I'm going to go Down Bad. Or 1993. Ah, so many good songs. Even ladies, ladies, ladies. I'm going to stop thinking about it now because oh, yeah. the more I think about it, the more I want to put the other ones. So I'm just going to stay with those three with Down Bad, Costa Rica, and, and Sacrifices, but definitely Sacrifices. Yeah. yeah. So, dude. Hold on. I am I am pissed off that you, because I wanted to do the big reveal because I was I was convinced. I was like, finally, I got him. He doesn't, he don't know my number one album of the year. No, he don't I, know. I think I might. Shit, I mean, you know. I, I could be way off base because this is really random and it's just one song that had came onto your top is is this fka twigs wow you think no okay because i was gonna say because that's the only one that you were like oh it's really out of left field and like you aren't gonna expect it and i remember you having a song by her everyone i am so excited because because i know that album's been getting a lot of uh a lot of recognition this year too wow i don't know who this could be right now all right hit me with it hit me with it i'm gonna be very disappointed i didn't know this album did not get nearly enough recognition. So I have at number one, my best album of 2019 is going to go to Ryan Caraveo, Butterfly Boy. Wow. No kidding. I should have been able to pick that because honestly, Peanut all, butter of, waffles all, of the, all of the like signs were kind of pointing that direction because I feel like as ever since you first mentioned him, it's been like more and more positive things to say. And especially after you had seen him live and everything too, that's mm-hmm. when you really started to like mention him a lot more on the show. Yeah, no, I dude. So here's the thing about Ryan Carveo. So I put a blog post out. Um, I guess I talked about it in the last episode with, uh, about Billy Eilish. And one of my opening lines to that blog post was, I feel like when we listen to music, there's kind of two questions we ask ourselves does this song like bang or like, can we have fun to this song? Right? Like, or there's two mm-hmm. things we really look for when we're listening to music, enjoyability and relatability. I think those are the two main factors that kind of absolutely help with our, our song and, and not only song analysis, but like what really, what we grow to come is our like taste in music essentially. And if it's not enjoyable, I better relate to it. And if it if I can't relate to it, I better just fucking enjoy the shit out of this. Yeah, like that's the definition of gex. But right, this album exemplifies what I mean by that in terms of like songs that are just so much fun and catchy and just just earworm songs, but also songs that like really just are beyond relatable. That like I I haven't connected with an album like this in a really long time. 
and it's not the reason only the reason why it's here because these songs are absolutely incredible like i know you haven't given it as much of a, of a listen you and really, now i'm definitely going you, to you like really need to. after we leave here you really need to because this and it's not it's not a long listen by any stretch it's 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 like i think uh maybe like 40 something minutes it's it's like barely like the runtime's not crazy it doesn't overstay it's welcome but what ryan Carveo is able to do here he really brings you into his psyche and like what kind of goes on in his head and I, I can't sit here and say he's the best singer by any means right but we talked about this a little bit when we talked about it on the top songs uh list of 2019 is that he uses his voice in just the right way he's got a soft and soothing voice it's very easy to listen to mm-hmm. but yet he's still able to kind of find these pockets that are just beyond catchy and some of the catchiest music you're going to hear like this year and and i anybody like he's he is not nearly big enough he's not getting nearly enough recognition shout out to washi and danny and everybody that kind of put me on to him at first like washi and i got to see him front row live do basically this whole album and with like maybe 200 people at the Sonya, uh, uh, not even the Sonya, excuse me, it was Middle East upstairs and like a very small, intimate setting. And like, I think it's something we're going to be able to take away from with us for the rest of our lives. It's just like some of the themes of anxiety, depression, struggles in relationships, struggles with impulsivity and fame, like the fame he does have. And I, like I said, I don't think he's big enough, but he does have some, some traction here in the last year or so, but not to the extent that I think he should have. I would consider him a mix of like John Bellion and Kid Cudi. Mm-hmm. He actually says on a song later on, that I'll talk about in a little bit. He says, uh, he's like a mix of Cudi and hippie sabotage actually. Oh, I love hippie sabotage. Yeah. yeah. They're great. And um, he even has some, like I like said in like a song like peanut butter waffles, he's got a little like blink One Eighty Two. Uh, you know, influence in there too. But so I, I don't know what he really is. I mean, he raps, but he's, I don't consider him really a rapper. It's hard to fit him in a box. It's hard to fit him in a box. And, he's, and that's what I think I like about him so much. He has so many, like his beats are very glossy and they're colorful. There's like, but then there's also like a lot of electronic, but also acoustic influences. It kind of just depends upon the song with him. And that's why I kind of give like that John Bellion, Kid Cudi, somewhere mix in that vibe for him. Because it's uh, definitely like a recurring theme, but it's used in different ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, he has just so many amazing catchy hooks like, Oh my God, battery, peanut butter, waffles, murder. My head gets well, I remember us talking about peanut butter, waffles and me reading the lyrics there. And like, wow, you're right. It's very relatable. Like the second verse is literally saying it's 3am and I'm playing battlegrounds and overwatch. And yeah, like, maybe it's different games for me, but that's exactly what I find myself doing quite a bit. At different oh my points God. Too. Yeah. There was like so many, like his, some of his lines saying like, uh, like when he's talking about, um, like turning the volume up to 50 so like to drown out uh, so the TV will like drown out the ambient sounds of like yeah, the like fridge, fridge buzzing and, and well, independent right away he goes for like from the fridge and my thoughts mm-hmm. like drown yeah. both of them out and then I love the line I talked about this one when I talked about peanut butter waffles on my songs the song uh, the, the line where he says I can hear the rumoring I can hear who's not here like mm-hmm. that just kind of th- throws me for another one and then like obviously like um there's other ones where like laying here in silence because i can't find the damn remote and then basically like, i'm paraphrasing but he talks about like even if i found the tv remote i'd probably just like flip through the channels like you know yeah there's I mean? like, like no real goal it's not like you have something that you're trying to watch i just need to like keep myself busy and do something occupied um yeah peanut butter waffles obviously is my favorite song from this album if you were to tell me to give me three songs here i don't i actually like don't think i could this entire album is amazing Starts off with this uh, sample-led, um, like a vocal sample-led song called Run. 
and he raps very effortlessly over it. He has like these lines where he says, uh, this line where he says, I make my decisions. Like I'm not going to be here long. Mm. He has that like kind of sentiment throughout. Like, and he even says on peanut butter waffles, he says, I make, uh, decisions in the time that it takes to brush my teeth. Like he's basically again, going to the impulsivity of himself as a person. Like, you know, I realize I have all these things to work on. I'm flawed person. I'm not perfect, but he just overall, man, like he just, he hits you somewhere and and he's just beyond relatable. He really is. What were you well, gonna say? I, you, I, I cut you well, off. no, no, no. I was just gonna say how how would you go about saying the name of the intro track to this? Uh, I'm very curious here. Which which one? So of of this album, it's like the it's the circle with the dash through it. I don't know what that is. That's like it's like a, it's, um, it's a Greek letter. So I, being honest, I skipped that because it's like it's a, just like a 39 second intro. Right? Yeah, it's I'm like a, just like a prelude or something like that. The real first song is Run, mm-hmm. um, which is hilarious actually because when Washi and I were at the show. I was like, we were talking, we were trying to figure out what song he was going to come out with. I go, watch, he comes out with, he's going to come out with Run. There's mm-hmm. no way he doesn't. And if you hear it, if you go and listen to the song Run, you'll be like, no wonder why he started this show with this song. Because it, it like, the introduction builds of it, in the build the makes total way. sense. Uh, I like how there's little uh, tracks in here, too, that are kind of breaking it up, where it's like the one, two, three, mm-hmm. four. And I'm really curious now to hear what these are in the context because I see it's like 22 seconds, 26 seconds. They're basically just all these so, interludes, yeah. So, I, so well, and that's I feel helps like the narrative of the album. It, that's what that's what I'm curious. About I don't listen to them anymore. It's funny I haven't listened to them in a while because mm-hmm. I just go down to just the tracks. Probably but. similar to like the um, end skits of like a Good Kid, Mad City, where like mm-hmm. you you respect them. It serves a great purpose, but at this point, you don't need to listen exactly. to them anymore. Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Um, Battery is one of my big highlights too. It's got an acoustic led beat. Um, he finds so many like amazing flow pockets here. Um, such a feel good song, even though it's all about like his flaws and like connecting with others and like how his like behavior can be sometimes negative. Like essentially the the hook goes just like a flicker, like a flashlight, like running out of battery. Like I don't know who I'm gonna be tomorrow. Like is another mm-hmm. sentiment he he voices in that. That's one of my favorites. Um, Go Time probably has one of the most catchy hooks you'll hear all year. The instrumental is glossy. It's atmospheric. Basically, the the hook is uh, goes go time, crunch time, night time, sleep time, wake time, work time, no time, make time. Luck is just something that you make. If they don't, if you, if they don't want to give, you take. Mm-hmm. And so, like again, just all these sentiments, man. Uh, I'm just so infatuated with, and just really so relatable. Uh, Murda is one of the best songs here as well. It's got a fantastic bass. The snare drum, it'd be like a really like the foundation of this track. It's got like this electronic like vocal sample within it. And basically this whole song is like a big metaphor for like uh, being killed, quote unquote, by a woman that he's in a relationship with. Essentially, like she's trying to hide the fact that he is like in her life that like she doesn't bring him around friends and family. Like she won't show him off. She won't like put him on Instagram, like nothing like this girl essentially is like pushing him into like the dark of her life and like that she so basically just like he kind of is questioning his own value why is he staying with this person that like doesn't quite appreciate who he is and what he can bring to the table and that like she has excuses for everything like he basically like lyrically he says like uh he just puts ways things in ways that like speak to me as a person like he has this line where he says, "You don't smoke no weed, but you gaslighting, right?" Like, and then he says, "Fast as lightning, you question my sanity, making me feel crazy for questioning what's actually happening." Like, when he confronts her about these issues, like 
she is the one that makes him yeah, seem like the crazy exactly. one. Exactly. She's gaslighting the hell out of him. And, exactly. And see, I, I hate how a lot of people have started using this term incorrectly recently. Mm-hmm. This has kind of become like the big hot word to use when someone's being toxic. And it, I kind of hate it because now it takes away from like the meaning of it of like, mm-hmm. no, it, it's just when someone's trying to make you believe you have misremembered something from exactly. the past. Make you drive yourself nuts. And that's definitely super, super common mm-hmm. in today's day and age. And also, yeah, another good common thing about this song, too, for sure, to go off that a little bit is that like subconsciously we always kind of sometimes want what we can't have and like so this whole song is like this inner monologue of like why am i still with this girl who doesn't clearly appreciate me and isn't doesn't value me in her own life enough to like like we've been dating for a little while and she like won't introduce me to her friends and family like yeah there's like a missing a level of respect there yeah 100 percent. and he's skeptical but he like he still can't shake her or leave her because of how he feels and like it's just like Again, just a really cool sentiment and a different kind of take on, like, basically his the, the chorus is like, it's a murder, murder, it's a murder, murder, you're trying to cover me up. Like, no one has ever heard of me because you keep it on hush. Mm-hmm. And then the last two songs I'll, I'll talk about, uh, My Head Gets Loud and All My Life, um, I'll kind of wrap them in together because I think there's like a duality with the two of them. Um, those two songs to me are the biggest cutty influences that you'll hear sonically and on the first, on the former um, on my head gets loud. He says, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a mix between Cuddy and Hippie Sabotage. That's like the one of the lines he has on there. Um, that song as well, My Head Gets Loud, talks more about like anxiety and overthinking everything. Um, he has this sentiment as well. He says, uh, so, I have so much love in my bones, but the world might not never know. Like he, he feels like he hasn't had enough of a voice even even though now he's made some fame like people still aren't hearing him mm-hmm. um and then like some of those negative thoughts make it hard to let like the more positive ones come out exactly like these <laughs> and these insecurities might actually be what holds him back from like really making it mm-hmm. and then the latter all my life just talks about like him going like where he's gonna go in his life and like the ambiguity and the unknown that awaits him but he still is like questioning still who he is so he has no idea like where he'll end up but he has a he has a goal, but he doesn't know how he's gonna get there and how he will get there. So, man, Butterfly Boy by Ryan Caraveo. I loved it when I first heard it, and all all year long, it just I kept coming back to it and back to it again and again and again, and it just keeps it. Like I played it with my uh, with Danny and uh, and my friend Will, and Danny had only heard the one song Deceived that he showed me like a mm. while back, and I was like, bro, you showed me this guy, and he's like really like I barely remember even showing you him and I said no you need to listen to this album now so we're all hanging out and uh, we, I, I won't forget this we're at Earl's and uh, in uh, Assembly Row and we were actually in the parking garage like figuring out what we were going to do next mm-hmm. and with the night because it was only like maybe like 10.30 and we were like we should go do something we're going to go see a movie but like there were no good movies out or like there were no not show times or whatever so instead of figuring out the next move inadvertently I just started showing them Ryan Carveo we played the entire album front to back for like 45 minutes and we we're like oh well that was like yeah, this, is of time that, this is our <laughs> night the rest of our night now like and danny kept hitting me up and will both of them again and again being like throughout the year being like i cannot stop listening to this album it is so good and i'm and and it just is bro like i just i'm encouraging i know i'm talking about this like at nauseum right now but just go listen to this project because it truly embodies introspection and introspection but also like some really modern pop influence and, and, and hip-hop influences that people can really get behind. So not only are the songs relatable, but they're beyond enjoyable. They really kind of synchronize both of those together. So Butterfly Boy, Ryan Carveo, my number one album of the year. And it's not even... And it, when, I, when, I, when I looked at my list again, it, it, didn't, it didn't make a difference for me that this was absolutely number one. So 
Well, dude, now I've definitely got a little bit of homework for me for uh, for maybe not tonight because we got the Super Bowl coming up uh, pretty pretty soon here. But definitely throughout the course of this week, I need to go in and listen to this guy because I've while while you've been talking, I've been kind of like looking up the songs you've been talking about so I can read the lyrics while you've been going through them and just trying to find any information about him online. And it's it's pretty sparse, which Mm -hmm. like especially for how highly you're talking about him, it definitely makes me believe how underrated he is this year. So the fact that even I have left this basically completely off of my radar, having had you mention him a couple different times now with this taking like the number one spot. Spot, it's kind of like the moment where I'm having like, oh, I definitely fucked up and didn't, like not listening to this guy. Like, damn. If you listen to him, I guarantee you'll be like, bro, this would have made a list. Well, dude, on my on my drive home from here, I'm definitely gonna put it on quick. However much I can get through it, that's that's what I'm gonna listen to. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And we've made it. We're out of 2019. We're into 2020 now. And finally. I'm excited for some 2020 music, and I can't wait to see what mm. we have next. We've already had some great albums and, and projects and songs come oh, out Oh, absolutely. At least one song that, I know is going to be on my year-end list because, you know, it's me. Aesop, <laughs> <laughs> my man. Aesop Rock. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning into all of our lists. Hopefully you guys got some new music out of this or some confirmation bias. If you liked a lot of the albums, if you have definitely let us know, I'm really intrigued to see about like artists that other people haven't really known about before having heard us talk about them on the show. Cause I don't know. I, I really like showing people new music that they wouldn't have otherwise sure. found me too. comment on our Instagram posts. Yeah. If you agree with our lists if, and, uh, what you think and yeah, that's really that's it. Or if you disagree. Or if you disagree, for sure. Full of, full of crap, either way. Let I want to hear it either way. I want to hear your people, other people's lists, too, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. So let, on the Instagram post, definitely tell us what your favorite albums and songs were of, of the last couple, uh, you know, the last year or so. So, yeah. Thank That's you guys for listening. Thank As you. always, follow us on Instagram at Turntable Teachers. Go to our website and blog and subscribe if you want to keep up mm-hmm. with all of the latest episodes and No, whenever we're posts. dropping something new. TurntableTeachers.com. And uh, thank you. I'm Mike. I'm Cody. We are the turntable teachers. And class is dismissed.